Now, it could be that you're trying to choose to ignore emotion, right? No, I'm just telling you but, that I... Okay, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you but, finish and I'll tell you what I think I'm doing. But again, you're saying that these people are more valuable than, than this one person. I'm saying that it had to take me a logical... I had to use logic to come to that conclusion. This is bullshit. America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. No, I'm I'm so surprised that it was in there. I mean, the logo is beautiful, and everything about it is just awesome. I know it's brilliant, isn't it? It really is. It's really just like you know, you don't. Even, she's like a druid or a wizard. You have no idea what she is. <laughs> she's yeah. obviously fantasy, and there's obviously there's some rye fields, and she lives out in the. You know, you could tell that that's like you know, kind of your your hobo style living. You see the cabin with the right. farming. <laughs> yeah, that's back what you say. Yeah. But and what I love about the ripe is it has like that buttery quality to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the uh, the message here on the top. Rootless Rye IPA yeah. is brewed with rustic grains for refined flavors, combining the peppery spice of rye and the bright gonna... citrus flavors of whole cone hops. <laughs> I was like, going to name the whole thing. It's fucking good, dude. Oh, my God. Well, welcome to the Necessary Bullshit Podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> your co-host, Ian Savage. And they call me... The Dawn. They don't fucking call you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. They, they yeah. don't. That sounds like cool, though. Hey, Mr. Dawn, what are you doing? How are you doing? No, it's Josh. Hey, Simpson I'm good, here. Greg. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> I just said my name was Dawn. Yeah, but you were, you were saying, like, how you doing, Dawn? And then I had to respond. Yeah, I'm good, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, folks. I've got a He's still terrible recovering cough. From I'm no, because I was saying, like, I'm the Don, how you doing? So I was like, I'm Don. I referred to myself as the third person asking you how you were oh, doing. And yeah. you were like, I'm doing great, Greg. And I'm like, my name's not Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and this made-up fantasy scenario, you've already fucked up. So. You know what? I, I'm just not that good with fantasy. I like sticking in the real world. That's why I'm a libertarian. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> already getting started. And I love insurance. That's why I'm a progressive. You know, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a terrible joke. It's a terrible it joke. It really is bad. Um, yeah, so we actually are just... didn't know, we're drinking Ruthless Rye IPA from Sierra Nevada. Yeah, so let me tell you a little backstory about, about this. Yeah, I'm going to go a little tangent here. I discovered this beer, I think, in like 2011 or 2000. I don't, I don't remember quite exactly when, but I was like, this beer is amazing. And then it just disappeared. Yeah. And then like four years later, it randomly came back again. And now we haven't even been able to find it in six packs at all. Sierra Nevada just does them in these periodically, randomly. We don't know. Like, I don't know the schedule. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But they, they yeah. come into these like these these cases, these variety cases. Yeah, and there's 12 like two, packs. 12 pack, yeah. and there's like two of them out of the 12. And Ian's like, oh my God, I found Ruthless Rye. I'm like, shut up. And so he surprised me by bringing over a couple of these uh, for our recording today. today. Yeah. But I will say, you know, I had a had a dude's dude, uh, dude's evening or a gentleman's night or whatever you want to call it. We had bourbon and whiskey and jazz music. And Ian was very jelly because those are things he wants to partake yeah. in. And I just got some Cuban cigars. And so I figured uh, I know it was jelly. So I had to bring Ian a Cuban. So now I told him that. Yeah, we're by eating. the way, it's fucking humongous. It's huge. It's at least as long as Donald Trump's dick. <laughs> so are you Which saying related to what we're, it's you, actually it's actually not short you're saying it's, he's got a mass what is 7.5 is that what he's got to have at least massive balls to, to do the kind of shit that he's doing 
<laughs> I guess that's fair. I mean, actually, yeah. Let's. So, you know, one of the things I told Ian I want to talk about today is obviously. So, we are recording today. It is uh, February twenty seventh, the day of recording, and that should be an interesting date because for all of you, that today was the day that Michael Cohen, you know, did his testimony in front of Congress. And here's the fun thing about that. I said, Ian, we got to talk about this because it's always funny to hear. I know. Yeah, we were going to talk about today, like just my upcoming birthday and how Josh is just going to spend the rest of his money on me. But then he's just like, this is more important, Ian. And I obliged because why not? You know, sometimes I think you might be schizophrenic because you say say things that I never say. So there's just a little voice of me inside your head. Yeah, it sounds an awful like you. Maybe (laughs) just because I'm constantly just hearing your voice outside of my head all the time anyway, that there's just a little, little Josh in there like, hey, what about this? Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, when I have uh, friends of mine that listen to the podcast and they talk to me about it afterwards, they're like, yeah, you know, I hear your voice all the time. So it's like, you know, it was a good podcast, but it just, it's just your voice. And I'm like, yeah, that's my voice. Yeah. yeah. That's because it's mine. It makes it it's real. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, speaking of uh, us being recorded a lot more often, I know you have a little bit more experience with your earlier hip hop stuff uh, and any older recordings of mine, you wouldn't be able to discern them as human speech, but I'm getting used to listening or hearing me, my recorded self uh, a lot more now because now every time we've our an episode goes live, I at least listen to, I don't know, 48% of it. So it's, it's definitely getting a little bit easier to hear. It's like, yeah, that's what I sound like. Yeah, I know you really do get used to it. Um, But I think it's funny, too, because once you start doing stuff and you're trying to promote your brand and stuff you're getting out there, there's been like, you know, I I think when I was in a freshman in college, I tried doing street magic for a bit. I taught myself magic when I was like 15. So I do a little magic. So my street magic page has been getting views. Right. (laughs) And, you know, and then, of course, I was in a hip hop group at college as well, the Four Lazy Dudes. And, you know, we did some stuff and, and it was kind of fun at the time, a fun experiment. But I've also seen an increase in traffic to that as well. So I think, you know, I'm never not. The thing about the Internet that makes it fascinating is when you run into somebody that you've never heard of before that might be interesting to you. It's just you just go down the rabbit hole of everything that they've ever posted. And like with the call out right. culture, I'm sitting there going like, did I post anything? everybody has to do that rolodex of like what the hell have i posted well no you go years like i'm a different person now like yeah you know it's it's interesting you know i mean that's just what the consequences of having you know not only your life documented every step which is uh, 30 years old um uh either it was yesterday or or coming up soon the anniversary of the world wide web so that's bonkers um but then also just social media now it's it's progressing into a middle-aged no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pre middle aged. Yeah, pre. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, middle age is like fifty, it's, right? It's getting a little bit more woke. Yeah, more woke. <laughs> yeah. Well, you it's know, becoming an adult. Yeah, it is. You know, and and hopefully not entirely red pilling, but you know, is that a Matrix it, reference? Is that a Matrix reference? It is, but it's for unfortunately the red pill the, or the blue pill. Yeah, parts of the alt right have co opted it a little bit. And so when you go oh, your besties. You red pill, oh my goodness, <laughs> I try not to associate myself with them. Well, it always cracks me up because you're like, I'm more, I'm more liberal and, you know, cause I'm a libertarian. So it's like I'm more liberal and I'm not, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that. And, and then for some reason though, those people just love the well, shit you're spewing. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's funny that you, that you bring that up because there are things that, and I know you legitimately don't mean it too. You know, it's like, well, I know, but there are, but there are things that unfortunately being 
associated with classical liberalism or neoliberalism or libertarianism that there are some things that is shared with uh with conservatives or conservative values right and so sometimes there's some overlap much like as a libertarian there's some overlap with democrats and progressives on certain issues especially social issues right and so Unfortunately, I get some traction from those people every once in a while. You know, a few weeks ago on my Twitter, I got this follower who's some British nationalist, you know. I'm sure it's more benign than it sounds, but it's like, oh my god, you know, like, what am I getting myself into? And then, you know, speaking about call-out culture, I was looking to, you know, Facebook every once in a while. It's just like, hey, why don't you share this memory, you know, from, you know, whenever, just random stuff, which is weird. I don't know how their algorithms work on that, but I, in 2011... I think it was 2011. I had this Facebook post where, you know, my, yeah, I was 21 in 2011. And it was this post where I think I said something along the lines of like, why when getting into some kind of argument that women tend to go more emotional and men tend to go more logical, pretty sexist, like thing to say, you know, or at least misogynist in some way of me to say, but I was 21 yeah. and I was nowhere nearly, you know, mentally developed as well, I Well, maybe a context too. Maybe you just got in a fight with your girlfriend at the time and Probably, she chose to handle you know? it a certain way. Well, I think too, that's, that's what's important. You know, when it comes to online, you know, again, you know this, I'm, I'm a big preacher of, of, of being very mindful of context. That's like a, one of, part of one of the biggest things that I advocate, yeah. um, you know, on my blog and commentary. socialism. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, again, I think of Voltaire. Like people just use socialism as a certain tactic. It's actually really just yeah. kind of like a revamp of of you know because what we're doing right now is clearly not working. Um, Most certainly not. Yeah. yeah. So, but the thing is, though, is you really think context, and so the, the 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 trouble that I have is that maybe you know back when somebody like James Gunn, I think of him. Like the tweets are there's certain people that like have, they've pulled tweets from several years ago, and they're not saying you're you're a terrible person. But it's like, what if that was like in a joking tone? What if there was a situation going on that well, was with James Gunn? Yeah, or know. even that when you look at these tweets twenty years later, you're like, fuck, that was rude. Or you know, baby, it's cold outside. Is another prime example of like, right. look, w- during the time frame that it was written. It was culturally kind of an acceptable thing what they're talking about, it, and it wasn't quite as right. you know. It, it's a different. We we interpret that differently now than it was interpreted back of then. Of course, you know, and it's the same argument that people make about uh, like our founding fathers, or you know, just people in the Americas, you know, in the 1700s or late 70. Well, you know, just anywhere at that time, you know, almost every rich white guy, you know, w- you know, who owned property also owned slaves. You know, Benjamin Franklin owned slaves. I think. I knew he grew hemp. So, I mean, you know, who's going to, you know, it's not him going out there, you know, managing the, managing the fields every day. You know, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves and then he kind of like fell in love with one and, and had a romantic relationship with one. And so we just have to take context into consideration. Like, look, these people were a product of their time. Yeah. You know, one of the great things I think about, you know, I'm not like this ultra constitutionalist, but I think one of the great things about our founding fathers in the United States and their writing of the constitution is how it can be amended over time to change with the times. Obviously there are those people, you know, who are like, which bothers me to all hell, you know, as somebody who's a gun owner, when people go out, there like, well, I believe in the second amendment. It's like, I don't need, I don't need to believe it. It's there. I know it's there. <laughs> but then also like, don't you think that we can, have some kind of reform. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about taking guns away from people. You know, that's, that's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. And because people are so set on either, no, no, we absolutely have to stick with, you know, the original documents 
or we have to totally upend everything and change it all or destroy it or something like that. It's like, don't you think we can find some kind of balance and compromise here? Because, I mean, what else are we going to do? Well, I think, too, it's... Uh, I can't remember exactly who, but it was brought up on Joe Rogan's podcast and... Excuse me, beer. Gets the CO2 all... Keep, hold on, hold on to that thought. Speaking of Joe Rogan, he had on Dr. Phil yesterday, which is just fascinating. You like, know, it's I funny that you say that, that because Dax... On armchair expert had Doctor Phil on, and like, really, yeah. What if he's and writing a book or something? I don't know, but I only listened to like a little bit of it. But he was like, "Yeah, Doctor Phil pops wheelies and motorcycles in his driveway." Like you're like what? He is from I think he's I'm from like, Texas, right? I'm he's like, like get it, like a redneck. Yeah, you know, redneck. I don't know if he's a real doctor or not. I'd have to look more into it. But but then he also had Alex Jones again today. Which, he had Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I want great. Turn in the frogs, gay. Yeah, like I just, I don't even know. I mean, even yeah, it's just it's, it's, that guy is hilarious. But I would love to watch that. But the one thing I'm saying is, he says that uh, the guest he had on was talking about how you know, obviously the the Constitution of the United States was the original idea was it to be like a sign like like a science scientific method to keep right. reviewing it and changing it for the times because like most things. Certain documents that involve human behavior and nature, that's not going to scale with time and how, how things change and, and culture develops and, and there's constantly this, revel- this, this movement of different things that are, that are good and bad. And it's just different. You know, it's just the way that it is. Like technology comes into our we lives. We live in a shapes. dynamic culture. You know, yeah. It's never going to be the and same. And he was just saying that like nobody figured that the problem, you know, that people would view the Constitution as a religious text. You know, because that's right. really what it is. And so yeah. they're basically stating that, like, there is such a strong fear to change it when they're literally yeah. called amendments. Yeah. Like, they are designed to be amended. And I'm not saying that we haven't done stuff. We've definitely we've definitely oh, yeah. added some things and removed some things. <coughs> Prohibition. No, but... Um, Certainly. Or, you know, other one, human rights. You know, with a lot of it that gets added is to deal with human rights and, and basic needs. And But for the most part, you know, we value that as text and we take it verbatim, word for word. And there is, and what's difficult about that, like anything else, what you're noticing is that it's an interpretation that two parties have interpreted the same document extremely differently. And all they're doing is... Well, just, I mean, I would be careful to say... I mean, certainly, you know, the, our members of Congress have... And and either sides of them have have gone out of their way to interpret it on on one side of the of this political spectrum. But I will say that I mean for the most part, right? It's the Supreme Court kind of going whether you know however biased they are towards one side. The Supreme Court on its face is supposed to be this kind of neutral body. Um, you said, I, don't, I mean I don't. I mean know I guess, but at the know. same time, it's like. They, you know, there's, if that's the case, then I don't think that there should be party jurors. They don't have a Republican juror or a Democratic juror or a majority or minority. And I do know that there are, there are some jurors that like, they really hold truthful to that. You know, we are. I think you mean justices. Justices. Sorry. Yeah. There are the, there are the justices that or even in jurors, whatever. If you're in the, if you're in sort of the justice system, no matter what level you're in, like they do probably value the law as something that's separate from, you know, how political parties interpret things. Yeah. And even though they might belong to one, um, there's you know, there's aspects of, of trying to keep that true. But you cannot say that. And when I'm kind of I guess let me clarify here what I meant. What I mean is like you, the party that you stand for is is a common collective of you of a personal valuation mm-hmm. of the Constitution and what you pull from the Constitution personally. And there seems to be a more collective you know, personal evaluation of it in the people within the parties. And so, 
and with conservatives or Republicans, even though they all have their own personal views of the Constitution, they would tend to be same-minded or similar-temperamented, and that's why they're in the sure. same party. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so because you have a similar temperament on one side or the other, there are certain core issues. You know, And gun control is a very good example well, of abortion. Of yeah of, yeah, of things where it's like this is how one side is interpreting this as the other side is interpreting. But you know if we can if we can state that you know the Constitution doesn't quite scale with time just because the way this or even like religious texts I'll read a part of the Bible and it's like oh they had to kill a calf and build this and and grind these herbs and smoke this for six days and do and I'm just sitting there like nobody really does these rituals anymore. You know yeah. we don't really have. But they symbolize, you know, a lot of them like, well, this is what we assume. And it's mm-hmm. like, because anybody ask God if it's cool that you just can symbolize those? Because if you're saying that that's the word of God, then theoretically, no matter how much time has passed, you need to be doing the rituals the way that he is describing you to do that. Right. It's kind of like Orthodox Judaism, right? You know, whether or not some of them actually believe in, in a literal God or heaven or anything like that. Most of the time, they are occupied with the the, the ritualistic aspects right. of of their of their faith and and it's it's a redoing of those rituals that strengthens your bond with Yahweh or or whoever right. you know um, and, and, it's, I, and it's different though I know because with the you know I will make a statement that with the New Testament you know, you know Jesus dying for the sins that's supposed to cover it you just have to believe that that's what's happening right, and then yeah. you're then you're in yeah so I do know that there's different forms of religion you know that that kind of obviously have different parameters of what rituals or what things need to be done per se. But it's just still fascinating when you look at you know old school time documents or things from from far away and like wow that's kind of weird now and there, and what's what's really bizarre is that there's certain asp- there's certain texts that don't have like the contextual gravity that something like the Bible the Constitution have mm-hmm. that we have no problem tearing apart yeah yeah but there are then other things that are like mm, no we can't we can't do doing that it's kind of like the golden rule right out of the out of the I don't I'm not even sure. <laughs> I think it was Jesus who originally put down the, the idea of the golden rule, at least in the at least in the Bible. Kind of. I mean, I think but, the, the original origin is is I think it's Buddhist. It's a Buddhist, it's yeah, a Buddhist yeah, yeah, uh, teaching. Yeah. The golden rule. It's similar. There's like yeah. variations of it, but I I want to say that uh, the first kind of iteration is probably in the Buddhist mm-hmm. religion. But I think Jesus does. He has a very popular version of it, and yeah, I think you know. and it's hilarious because I really wish more Christians would follow it. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, well, you know, just you know, in my experience, of you the know, ones that Nietzsche, Nietzsche said that you know the only Christian died on a cross. Yeah, you know, um, and <clears throat> I mean, I see. I guess I, I was bringing up the golden rule because I think even that that value or principle could be interrogated. But then there are people there. There may be some fundamental fundamentalist Christians out there who are like, "What do you mean? This is standard. We can't deviate from that." It's like, well, may, I mean, okay, maybe, but maybe we should look at it a little bit further you know and it's kind of you know bringing this back to the uh the constitution and maybe the first amendment here it's i think a a really good argument actually is it's a lot of time parroted by uh bill maher about how you know when the founding fathers were writing the constitution and the and the bill of rights you know the only weapons they had were muskets that took a long time to load or or little sidearms that you couldn't you know they didn't shoot very far and you know they they weren't they couldn't imagine gas powered you know submachine guns or or semi-automatic rifles or handguns and and shotguns i mean well they they probably could have imagined shotguns but i mean it's feasible to think that they would but, know that technology would advance but to imagine not to them, the degree not to yeah. imagine them like because they you know the picturing 
You know, like, hey, we're going to build a giant bomb that destroys. Like when the atomic bomb was yeah, invented, like I don't think nobody couldn't. Yeah, no founding father that. was going to like they, bank for a. They a, really an didn't atomic know bomb. about elementary particles at the time. I mean, Thomas, Je- or sorry, not Thomas Jefferson, but Benjamin Franklin uh, discovered electric. You know, kind of excuse me, kind of discovered electricity, and he uh, excuse me discovered the electron. You know, and and uh, found, uh, the the electron and not the positron. Oh my God, the proton. And, you know, just like, hey, these are positive and negative and electricity kind of works that way. But there's no, there's no way he could have foresaw no. the atomic, there's no way. I'm sorry. No. You know, yeah. But, but so, I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty good argument to say that like, hey, look, they couldn't envision these sure. types of weapons. You know, should we really allow people to be having them? But at the same time, I think they had the foresight to be like, okay, look. If we do need to amend it, amendment the Constitution, then we can put uh, rules in place and, and uh, kind of order on how to do this. But also, we still need to make sure there is room for people to overthrow tyrannical governments, right? And so we want to keep restrictions somewhat limited, you know, because I think you would agree that if there really was an oppressive government with a monopoly on force, I think you would want to be able to f- fight back, right? So, I mean, you know, what do we do in the face of... Of mass gun violence. Oh, and it's also too. You got to think about things they didn't plan on or know about. Is that you know they were when they first started building that country. Again, it's all about context. They had just broken free. Yeah. You know from this. You know, the, honestly, the the tyrannical things of the Brits, and that they didn't like the federal tax structure, and they didn't like that they couldn't make their own money, and they had to mm-hmm. pay money back to in there. You know, that's their main reason of kind of going out. And then when they're trying to establish, you know, they're like giddy kids trying to build their country of what they think that country would be, and like they're yeah. super jacked. And when they're like thinking about all the stuff that they wanted to do, and I would imagine this is kind of what I picture, they're like, no, we don't want to follow that structure. If we get too crazy. We want to give people the power to revolt against us because that's what we did. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's why we're here. And then we, you know, and then I think what's happened is, is once time has gone by, people are like, wow, you know, if I'm in power, I kind of like this. So now it's mm-hmm. like, you're going to bring a handgun to a drone fight? Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. so back in the day, it was kind of even playing field. Everybody started, everybody had muskets. So it's, it all was a matter of who had the most people for what side. Yeah. Um, but now, like, that amendment, like, again, for scanning through time, even if you just take the second half of it, like, to form a militia, like, first of all, like, there was that militia that was formed in Oregon that was not mm-hmm. partaken on. I mean, I guess they did take over a building, so at that point in time, you have other right. laws you're breaking. But for the most part is there is no sort of militia that could be built if our government ended up... Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost impossible. Right, so it's like the amount of we have. And so that whole idea of, like, oh, this is so if we get out of control, the the people can stop us. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we said, fuck that. You know, the government's yeah. like, screw that. We're going to, well, we're going to make that. I, I think it's because we, I don't know where it was, but some, somewhere along our American history, we desired safety over certain freedoms. And I think some of that could be good, you know, but it, it, it seems to me like a consequence of us all moving out to, you know, moving into cities in larger population, uh, you know, dense populated areas, you know, we no longer, a lot of us no longer have to live out there you know, out in the boonies. But it's also weird. To protect ourselves. And so now we can rely on, right. a, on a state to protect. Yeah, but it's also weird what our brains decide to worry about and not worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that people, you know, worried more about being stabbed or being kidnapped, which is extremely statistically rare. But we get in a car every day and drive where we're going. 
when your odds of being killed or injured in a vehicle are so much drastically worse, yeah. so much worse than yeah. being stabbed or, or, or abducted, but yet that is what we fear. And I think it's because it's like the most severe side, you know, the most severe version is what we're going to fear. And like, obviously with media and stuff, we're just being blasted all the time with what's going on. And that's just causing like this, there's just this worries to be in the forefront yeah. of our brains. Well, and they're very personal attacks, right? Getting yeah. stabbed or shot or something of that, or robbed or something of that is very, it's like an attack on the individual. Whereas if you're out driving your car and an accident may occur, you know, where necessarily nobody is at fault. I mean, obviously people are at fault, but where it's not just one person, then we can kind of we can kind of separate that from us, even though it's way more likely to happen. You know, it actually it happens every day. Yeah. You know, I used to live in Portland, Oregon, and I mean, th- there were accidents, several accidents every day on the freeways. Well, here we just had freeway. 17 inches of snow here where we are in, it was in, in Oregon, and it was bonkers. And people yeah. were it was like Armageddon. You know, you go into the Albert snow apocalypse. People were freaking out. Yeah. Uh, the camping section was completely cleared out, and there's just cars everywhere, and it was just like – it was just – you know, you could tell that people were not – it's just accident. It's just is what happens. But, yeah. you know, to get kind of back to what I want to talk about when it comes to – kind of back on this whole – uh, you know, everybody searching people's histories. You know, when you find out somebody, you check everything sure, they do online. Yeah, yeah. So what I think is interesting, and I just kind of want to bring this up and get your thoughts on this. People take so much time to in, to investigate people's histories and what uh-huh. they're what they're doing, but nobody takes the time to actually investigate what's being said or posted. So yeah, they just and, see something that may be mildly inflammatory, right? Without context. So this is something I ran into that I tweeted about that I talked to Ian off mic, but I really want my, you know, our listeners to hear this because I think it's important. Um, I have a buddy on, on Facebook and I was just scrolling and he had posted this post. It was a shared uh, uh, post from somebody else and it sure. said 449,000 California, uh, hmm. they turned, so 449,000 people in California turned down jury duty because they were non-citizens, but they're registered to vote. And it said in quotes, let that sink in. Mm. At least that's how I read it. Fucking it just says scary. Let that, scary. I'm terrified of those immigrants. It was shared 8,000 times, mm-hmm. at least yeah. on that. And there's other variations of this post. You know what I do when I see things that claim to have facts? <laughs> when I see things that use numbers and facts, I go, hmm, you didn't source it, first of all. So I look for the source. No source. Okay, I got to find it. So once you do some digging, you know, obviously you find out about Assembly Bill 60, which is uh, January of 2015 is when California passed this. Making this the fucking knowledge is dropping down. I'm and ah, uh, yeah, well, you know, you gotta, I, I gotta do it for you guys, so, so you don't compete, have to. You know, yeah. But you can look it up; anybody can. So Assembly Bill right, 60. We have this amazing, beautiful, yeah. wonderful thing called. And this is the irony of it, which I'm gonna get to. So January right. 2015 is when it was implemented, and the idea behind it was to make driving safer. Mm-hmm. And so they allowed illegal immigrants to actually take a test and get a driver's license, but they still are not registered voters and then you know the right. main source for california courts to pull potential jurors is the department of motor vehicles mm-hmm. so here was a fact that was clearly wrong it was not well researched i completely saw what was going on and the fact that it was shared eight thousand times just with this you know this little portion of it it just makes me nervous but then i think yeah. huh so people have no problem investigating the shit out of other people when they think they do something you know different or 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 heinous or or, and we also have you know no problem talking shit when we have this the same device that we are just so ignorant (laughs) on has the same capability of finding this actual knowledge by the click of our fingers it blows my mind 
I think that's, you know, I mean, you're, it's, it is kind of astonishing, but I, I think that it's just what the, what these devices are doing to us in that they are wanting us to have an immediate response, you know, taking the time to go up and like do thorough research. I run into this problem when I'm writing academic papers where I'm just like, oh, I need it, you know, like, fuck, how am I going to quote this? Like, where do right. I need to get this? And sometimes I'm just like, oh, fuck that. Like, that takes so much time to go and do that when I could just write something that's maybe at least eloquent enough to get my point across. But then, you know, when you don't source your shit, like, that's, that's, your, that's your evidence, right, of an idea. Because almost nobody has original ideas anymore. And so if you're, if you're saying something that may be profound or, or eloquent in some way, then you're like, yeah, did you say that or did somebody else say that? Or where is this idea coming from? And so you have to take the time, sure. you know, to, to, to source your shit. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that it's... You're going to you're gonna laugh, and I promise I'm going to explain, but I just want to give you the baseline. I will laugh. I promise you. I, I dare you so. So I... What I this is going to be a kind of an, <laughs> Oh, you're... Oh, shut okay. Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of here. So th- this is going to be kind of an absurd idea, but this is for to you anyway, but then I'm going to explain it. I think that this whole impulsive non-fact-checking, just get emotionally riled up and share, I think is a product of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so let me... I don't even know where to begin with that. Hold on, I'm going to explain. Yeah. Not capitalism per se in itself, but this is what I mean. The uh, consumer market that we live in. Because sure. every single company is hiring people, psychologists, or they're, they're literally designers to learn how to manipulate our psyche to make us as impulsive as possible. Mm -hmm. They want to impulse us to buy. They want to impulse us to go into their store. They want to impulse us to spend more attention on their site. Like their goal is to gain our attention and to impulse us to buy. That's what, that's what businesses need to do, especially if you're a business that sells a product. So, you know, you see all these different people of like, yeah, we manipulate this or it's this signal. It's that signal. That's my watch that just went off. My little nephew, you didn't hear it. My little nephew, changed the timer on it and now it like makes noise and i'm like i don't even know how to turn the noise off because so i just, just need a, an old school analog watch he's got one of those apple watches and i see him every once in a while he'll be talking to me and just like stop and look down at his fucking wrist and you know it's really funny because uh this is a little sidebar here but i i got the watch because you know my job i have to be active and moving all the time i can't just whip my phone out yeah so yeah. when i look at my you know, when I look at my watch, it tells me if that's somebody I need to talk to, if it's important. And I think for me, what's funny is I thought it's a little bit more polite to look at a watch than it does and to look your at phone. your phone. That's but true. I can see that. Kind of, yeah. though. But then every time I go out to lunch now with people, they're like, Josh, do you need to be somewhere? Like, do you need to go? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, what like, are you talking oh, no, about? No, no, no. And they're like, yeah. you've checked your watch, like, six times. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, it's actually, it's a smart watch. I get all my notifications. It's not, I'm not. So then I feel like, shit. They now probably you're just, being rude as they shit. They probably think I'm just sitting there just checking my watch every ten minutes, thinking that I'm ready to get the hell out of here, and they're boring me. Yeah. Um, so that was probably like, true. Right. So, but back I to the main point, the reason why that I think that capitalism plays a role is because, yes, we're impulsing. I mean, of course it does, yeah. We're impulsing people all the time to buy. And so what that does is like you, we start psychologically, it affects us because we're constantly being impulsed that you get, you get learned to that kind of sort of behavior. Yeah, yeah. And so then when we get online and there's, there's, there's aspects or designs to impulse us in different ways, but we don't know that it's all, some of it's subconscious, some of it's right there. So then when somebody posts something, we're so inclined to just be impulsed to, to do something because that's how like we need to be marketed to that. We just, well, we respond mm-hmm. and there's not 
time of mindful reflection and being like, okay, let me think about this. Or, you know, cause anger or emo- any sort of negative emotion, if you're triggered by that, that's going to triggering. You're triggered by triggered. Yeah. We're getting meta. I'm triggered by triggered because I said triggered. No, here we go. So, but, but he, the thing is though, no, is if you, if you impulsively do that, then you're going to say stuff. Most people like most people think back and they're like, yeah, I said something I shouldn't have said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or I done something I shouldn't have done. Yeah, they at least have the uh, they the at least have the wherewithal like to reflect back when they're done and have some you know this retrospective kind of perspective on their situation. Retrospe- retrospective perceptive. Let's try saying that seven times <laughs> fast. Um, but but of their situation, and they go, yeah. And so it's it's clear that emotional states do alter the way that you think and you behave. Yeah, absolutely. And so you would think that taking a breather, I think just think more people just need to take a moment when they get on social media. Yeah, just take yeah. a deep breath. Honestly, I think more people should take breaks from social media in general. Or they should right. treat their tweets like tattoos where if you <laughs> put it in It's going to be there forever. So what I'm saying is is like if you treat a tweet like a tattoo, if you're going to be impulsive and just get that tattoo, you're going to have to realize that 5 years down the road that you still have that tattoo. But if you want to say something, you're like, okay, because should I say this? And you just sit on it for a little bit. And then you're like, okay, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And then you go, all my tattoos have not been impulsive except for one. <laughs> you see what I did there? It's None of them idea. have been impulsive. Yeah. Well, let me just one. respond to this for a second here. I, you know, I, of course, see where you're going through here. I, I, I follow the, the through line in that, of course, capitalism plays a role in that supply and demand economics are in a way, at least with some of these tech companies, um, like Facebook and Google and and Twitter, um, and many others are exploiting our our some of our basic psychological and emotional states. You know, so something like the impulsiveness to respond to something, I think maybe I mean we'd you know we'd have to talk to an evolutionary psychologist, but yeah, but that's maybe, more. Of a, and I was more you know, meaning the consumer market in general. No, I, I think I said capitalism is like more of a funnier. It's not like uh, yeah. direct. I'm I mean, not saying it's but directly, directly, but they're related. No, I know that, but I'm not saying it's like it's capitalism. You know, I mean, we talk no, about know, this all yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah, where I just have to clarify because capitalism is just a just not. And I guess know. I mean it's probably good practice to do that for sure, our dear sure. listeners. Yeah, you know, because I think we yeah, know. Yeah, ourselves here. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's certainly, you know, even taking in just the the broader marketplace is that our, we are certainly being exploited in a lot of ways. And that that quick reaction to, to say something or to, or to buy something when we don't even necessarily know whether or not we need to say it or we need whatever product that is. I mean, you could, I mean, there's a huge laundry list of, of impulsive behaviors um, that, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. That are, uh, that I, I think are related to, <clears throat> excuse me, the fight or flight response in that we kind of view certain, I don't know, maybe when it maybe views in viewing this through the lens of Twitter, right? When you're having, or, or Facebook, I think is even better actually bringing kind of your thing up earlier. Last night I was having this, this very unfriendly argument with a, a friend of mine on on Facebook who was no longer a friend of mine because he was just, he was just too obnoxious. Ooh, juicy! Yeah, so I know. Yeah, I should give you the Ooh. deets here. Yeah, so, give me the deets. I love destructive. I won't, I won't name him, you know, because <laughs> that would that would be inappropriate. But so he he shared this image of text from someone who I don't know and about how. It was referencing 
without without referencing actual s- statistics, it was referencing crime statistics or at least hate crime statistics uh, on the LGBT community from people in the alt right, specifically the Proud Boys. And was there numbers? No, there were no, there was not numbers. No, no numbers. Just, like, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. they were they were they were referencing how bad these hate crimes were without referencing any actual numbers. So it's kind of like a little bit of the reverse from what sure, we were talking about sure. earlier. And I I can't remember the exact context of the message, but it was basically equating these people on the alt right and various other groups like that to fascists. You know, so it's kind of a motivation, especially. You know what's going on with Port- in Portland right now, and, and other places in the states. It's a way to justify the actions of people like of groups like Antifa, and I just the rhetoric of this post that he shared. I went on there kind of jokingly, probably trolly. I was like, "Well, that sounds kind of fascist," you know, in the way that you're describing these people, because it was mainly about uh, deplatforming them and how that they shouldn't have a place to speak, no matter their ideas, because they're just ultra heinous. And inflammatory that we shouldn't be giving them a, a platform, and the 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 guy who shared the tweet, the uh, the former friend of mine on Facebook, he was just like, I can't believe you could say that. Like, I don't even have enough energy to debate you right now. And then he proceeded to have this huge, long, kind of incoherent. Uh, uh, did he pull a uh, needless, essay. Did he pull a needless to say on you? Needle, yeah. Needless to say, I don't remember. <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, what yeah. I mean by that is that's a joke I make because I love the phrase needless, needless to say because they're like, needless to say, and then they talk. And I'm like, but you just stated. You just said needless. It, that you did not need to say it. But no, okay, you're going to talk. There it's like, go. oh, oh, you're doing this. Okay, I then have I, to listen to this. Then now, maybe right? you did need to say it because if it was needless to say, yeah. you would have just stayed quiet. You know, so he, so he proceeded to lecture me on how like these people, who, you know, on the right who claim that their free speech is being violated and they're being deplatformed are just signs of kind of fascist and Nazi ideology and that how dare you like talk about this stuff when when personal friends of mine who are in the LGBT community are being brutally murdered in the streets and I was like okay well that so I I basically look I mean you didn't really give me any good evidence on on if these actual crimes are taking place you know from these from these hate groups you know uh with air quotes there um and on top of that you know you seem to be equating the you know people in the alt-right you know which may or may not be nazis i would i think describe them more as as white nationalists um maybe white supremacists i don't know i don't know any Um, but then also people like the proud boys as nazis and i'm like look man you know, you can say that, but just because you disagree with somebody who you think has a morally reprehensible worldview or principles doesn't mean they're a Nazi. You know, I just don't think so. And hold on, let me finish this thought here. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. And, uh, and I'm like, look, man, in a way, you know, I hate to say this. I hate to echo this argument here, but you're kind of trivializing, you know, events like the Holocaust in calling people who you just don't like as Nazis. It kind of takes away from the, from the actual horrendous amount of of uh terror that the that the nazis endured and it, it was kind of this back and forth of like you're a fucking prick how could you say this like i'm half Ashkenazi jew or at least my family is half Ashkenazi jew and you don't have a place to say this and i was like man like i'm just like i, I i'm trying to be your ally here and saying that if you're taking this argument to the extreme here you know, you're really not you're really not doing anything for your cause. You know, violence because see, I mean, in, in a way, he was like, "Look, we need to 
basically have a revolution against these against these people that we find heinous. And it's like, look, man, violence begets violence, and resentment is a powerful emotion. You know, do you really think this is the most productive? I'm trying to like out of the conversation here, and he would continually, you know, use ad hominems against me. And another friend of his stepped in and like, look, man, you're being a fucking prick. You need to just shut up and listen instead of trying to add here. And I'm like, okay. So I reported the tweet, uh, or I, excuse me, I reported the Facebook post as a direct attack against me. And then the tweet got deleted and then they were deplatformed. Facebook so, got deleted, not yeah, tweet. Yeah, so... Anyway, I you know I guess the 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 moral of the story here. I'm interesting. I'm surprised that you reported it being such an advocate of free speech and not to mess with anything. Because technically, if if I'm going yeah. off of your things, yeah. everything there was just culture free speech. Yeah, no, so absolutely. I'm surprised that you reported it, just knowing what you believe in. Yeah, I mean, I want you to answer that, but I, this is some juicy shit that I want to get in on because I have yeah, some yeah. ideas here. But it was basically just like, look, I just man, want your justification like, as to why you. Yeah, I mean, like, like normally I'm just like, hey, you say what you sure, want, sure, you know. But I was like, look. You really, if you think this is a problem, look when it happens to you. See how you feel. Of course, that's not the right answer. What I did is not the right way to go about it. Sure. But it's like, look, this, it is so fucking hypocritical that sometimes I get sick of, like, seeing this, uh, you know, and it's like, why don't, you know, here's a taste of your own medicine, and of course, it's not the right way to go about it. And I guess the moral of the story is, is like, my response to these people, in turn, I got a response that was so really not well thought out and they weren't taking the time to understand what I was saying. They just like, Hey, look, you're just echoing everybody else who's conservative or on the right or, or, or some of the Nazis and you're not hearing us. You need to listen to us because we are, we're in the moral, we're occupying the moral right, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever space that it exists. And, and I think what we were talking about earlier, that's just a product of where we live in, in social media and how just exploitive, exploitative it is against our emotions and like getting this just quick, nasty response to people. And you're not, I mean, I don't think you're really seeing the true intentions of people online, but at the same time, it's certainly bringing out something deep within us all that it's not healthy. Okay. You're starting, anyway, you're yeah. Start, yeah, you're starting yeah. Jordan Peterson here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. No, no. So a few things I'm going to say about this. Thing number one is obviously you're going to school for philosophy. Obviously, we, you know, we we talk about things at a deeper level than most normal. They people also attacked me being a pseudo philosopher. By the way, I have to just say that because, and I felt very offended. Did you feel offended? <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it works great in theory, but we need to think about reality. I'm like, okay. See, this is the problem though, because really, what philosophy would do for people is allows them to actually branch outside of their own experience. I agree. So most people are trapped. In the umbrella of their own experience, because again, that's all we ever know and all we ever understand. And we learn through compare and contrast. So what I think the golden rule is so important is to make a step. And this is a personal optimism thing. I tell people all the time, the common misconceptions. So for example, if I give you the benefit of the doubt, they assume they've told themselves that if they do that, then I'm doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, I'm just doing myself a favor because at the end of the day, I'm the one that's affected. This is the thing I don't get at all when it comes to how people operate their lives. They will not think about what what their side of the equation is. So if I see something that angers me, and then I'm going to attack you, and you're going to keep getting mad, I'm going to keep getting riled up. 
I think that I'm trying to do something to get one over on you, but at the end of the day, I'm just ruining my mood. I'm yeah. just ruining what I'm doing for the day. So it's like, why? So this whole idea of unnecessary suffering from my personal optimism view is simply just, I'm stating that like, I acknowledge that I, my outcome of things is the only thing I can control. So why not? If I give somebody the benefit of the doubt, the only person that's benefiting is me. Mm-hmm. First of all, second of all, people are not going to think that deep. So they use their personal experience. And this is why it's the golden rule. If I, if you're telling me that you know because you've experienced it personally and you've had a different experience than me, then why is it so hard to then acknowledge that if we flip the coin, that same fact will be true? Yeah. So, like, you know, I love that thing about Democrat, and if there's a six on the ground, he says, I see a nine, I see a six. It's all about perception. What side of the number you're on is the mm-hmm. side that you see. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being the case, like, Everybody can make that argument. They have personal experiences that led them to believe different things. Absolutely. You know, and until you're, you know, for quote unquote better of a term, the new kids are using woke. And what yeah. I think really what woke should mean is having the ability to understand that your own experiences are not the only experiences in the world. Yeah. You have to take that into consideration when you're, when you're talking to other people and how they operate. And you have to really just do your best. And I think, you know, to strongman somebody, you need to understand. And again, it's a classic debate. What do they teach you in debate? You need to know the other side's argument. Yeah. Like that is crucial to being able to debate. And last thing I'll say in your situation is you are a very like hyper analytical, very, very picky when it comes to your words well, and it comes yeah. to what you do. And I think where most people get lost with you, Ian, is the fact that you understand that when you can critique something, that doesn't mean you're critiquing the entire fiber of that person. Mm-hmm. So this is the common thing that happens in our, in our current day and age. If I like one aspect of somebody, I'm judged for everything that that person has ever done. Yeah, You know, we cannot separate ideas from people. We can't separate facts from different people. So even though... You were just kind of attacking this one particular way that he was trying to do his argument. He just assumed that you hated everything that he ever stood for. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is just, it's so, so stupid to me. So it's like, people can't do that. And that's, and again, we bring it back to education. We have not been taught to understand that sometimes we can like people that, and not like their ideas. We can like people's ideas and not people. Yeah. I can like certain aspects of people and not other aspects of people. And we shouldn't be judged. Yeah, like 100%. I don't like your face, but I love talking to you. <laughs> See, yeah. I hate everything about you, but you're just you're just damn interesting to have a conversation with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I truly am. I am the most interesting man. Oh my god. Why don't we and you just seconds? lost yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean I mean that I mean that's everything you just said there was beautiful. Uh, and you know Appreciate I had another it. yeah you're welcome. Thank I, you. I did have another I won't get into the details here but I did have another a similar experience um in 2016. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, um uh, around uh, centered around net neutrality and how there was a friend of mine who was also named Ian um talking about how we need net neutrality and I just threw out some facts towards him, you know, and and some links. I'm like, "Hey, you know, I don't think it's Going maybe this way, you know, maybe just reconsider, take a look at this stuff, you know, and tell me what you think. Sure. And then a mutual friend of ours came in and be like, how could you suggest this? You're just a, tr- a Trump, a, you know, a Trump ligodite or troglodyte Trump. I don't even a know. Lickodite. A ligodite. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, a ligodite. A ligodite. Um, sorry if that's 
deeply triggering Jesus. to somebody just... or a dyke listener. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I you know she attacked me for being ultra conservative and growing up in a shit ton of of wealth and privilege, and I was like, what? Like I was just trying to add another side of the conversation here, and you're sitting here attacking me, and I'm like, I grew up re- pretty poor, right? And you know, I don't know if my whiteness had anything to do with it. Um, and I'm just trying to add another part of the conversation, and it ended up being this big back and forth. That well, it's because you know, nobody it's, fact yeah. checks. Nobody, nobody actually looks into the credibility or the contextual situation of each individual person. Yeah, and nobody, no, and everybody says you have to follow 100 percent of what people believe. So right now, what's frustrating is that you just have extremists. Mm-hmm. On one side, being interpreted by the normal of the other side, and just flip the coin. Yeah. So people of you know normal conservative values are only judging their criticism off the extreme left. Yeah, and yeah. then you have the extreme or the normal left only judging the extremists of the, right. the right. Yeah, and it becomes this weird tennis match of just 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 like oh, I yelling over extremists, far, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff. And so, and because it does make it difficult for me when it goes, you know, there. I, I'm a progressive. I'm a you know democratic socialist because I think that I believe in reform and in growing and changing, not necessarily getting rid of everything, but it does need to be molded and modified because I believe in basic rights of 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 negating suffering. And human needs. And when I think about my my policies or if I had them or what I support or don't support. So I tell people, if I see a conservative policy that I think to me protects, you know, some sort of dignity or right, I'll be for it, you know, on a certain scale. And so it's like, again, when people ask me, and then what's weird is you like, you've experienced this. I've seen other people experience this where them say, oh, you're what does that even mean? I saw this post the other day. It says, oh, moderates are just. What? Oh God! Something along the lines of like, if you claim to be a moderate, it means that you're like too chicken shit to to pick actually a like pick something. a side or do something. Like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That is the most <laughs> stupid garbage I'm I've ever heard. Sorry that I don't want to be ultra dogmatic on. I know um, I'm not. No. So what I'm saying issues. is like, I have a value structure, and I and then I it plug that in to certain things and and yeah. see what comes out Taking of that. Things on a case by case on basis. a case by case basis of what my values are, not just saying that I have to do this or that. And so and for me again, my problem with like traditional values and conservatism is that it's. It's just like documents. A lot of that has not scaled with time because the truth of the matter is whether you can argue how oppressive it is now, mm-hmm. but it was oppressive, but that's fact. We oppressed cultures of people like maybe no, <laughs> no, we certainly, we certainly have. And so again, it's, you know, people get in debates whether or not now yeah. it's like this true depression thing like that I'm not arguing about that. I'm just saying that if you look into the past, it's factual. And so that yes. just shows that it's plausible. So then it tells me that things need to be changed and things need to be different. But here's also the point too. If, if uh, that classic phrase where if you keep looking in the rear view mirror, you're never going to see where forward is. You have to look forward to see forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't keep looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah. So these activists that are, that wanted to support for like, you know, these, this, this full equality, no matter what we are, we have to stop looking back in the past and judging people for what's going on. But we have to start taking a look forward. And we have to start learning how to forgive and move on and grow. Mm-hmm. And that that's even on both sides. You know, that's like you have. Oh, yeah. And so it's just fascinating, it's fascinating to me, you know, what we're capable of in the confines of completely throwing somebody to the wayside because of a title that they identify with. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, 
And it's time for a second beer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, bringing this back to uh, um, steel manning or straw manning here, I, I like ma- what you're trying to make this discreet. <coughs> what was that? You uh, checking and holding your. I was trying to do a family guy there where, you know, he like Peter tries to cough to hide his farts. So I was trying to cough to hide the can opening, but then I realized that my brain, I coughed and then opened up the can and then just you coughed. fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. right, sorry, continue. Well, you know, let me just say that you know that's it's a really it's really important to to sit and being able to articulate in a thoughtful way what your other side what the other side's arguments are in order to you know if you want to attack it then that's fine but if I I think it's better to try and understand somebody's position right so you can help learn and grow with them you know because otherwise you know we're not going to be able to have meaningful conversations one of the reasons why I like watching uh, real time with Bill Maher not because of Bill Maher's politics, but because a lot of the time, I think maybe 70% of the time, he, he'll have on a conservative panel where, you know, he's the only progressive, and that is where some of the most fascinating conversations can happen because it's, you know, usually two or three people who are conservative and they have maybe varying views and then there's and then they sit down with Bill Maher and sometimes he'll bring on another, like, uh, Democratic or progressive guest and they can go back and forth and it's just... Fascinating. There was a, a time where he only had on two guests. He had on, on Andrew Sullivan, who is uh, uh, a conservative um, from the UK. I would probably put him in a libertarian camp. But then he had on Barney Frank, who um, you should all know. I, I for some reason I'm blanking on you know uh, the dot you know what exactly was in the Dodd Frank uh, bill, but. Um, uh, why am I blanking on that? Anyway, and then it was uh, it was those two and Bill Maher, and the conversation between just those two was amazing to have like people have a back and forth without just people being all on the same side, kind of echoing echoing similar antics or ideas, which just becomes tiring, you know, to hear. It's just like, okay, well, are you really thinking about this side? You know, they're like, no, we just kind of want to attack. And, it, and actually, I've, I've been having a problem with Bill Maher lately. I don't know if you heard uh, his or, or heard about his latest remarks about flyover country and saying that, you know, in blue states we have this kind of fancy spaghetti, but then in, in red states they have Chef Boyardee. It's like, really, really, Bill? Like, do you think that's helping to the conversation? Yeah, but like, I mean, doesn't, you know, it, yeah, but Ian, he's a comedian. He's a comedian. First, I know he's a comedian, so Josh, like, but. People listen to him. He has a wide audience. Sure. And a lot of his audience are either political commentators, they're journalists, or they're, you know, bloggers like us, and they go out and they spout his stuff online and they share it on Facebook like, look how right, you know, justice and righteous Bill Maher here is talking about the deplorables, and then people see that on online and they're like, Well, fuck him. You know, I mean I think one of the biggest things to understand about know, Trump's well, election. This episode you're starting to sound more like me. I know. <laughs> when I say like Jesus, yeah. we're like switching places here. I'm trying to defend free speech and trying to defend all this stuff. And well, I mean, you know, I think we should, we should uh, you know fight bad ideas with good ideas. And and one of the things I saw by uh, a tweet from Michael Shermer, you know, who's uh, a brilliant writer and thinker. We've both referenced before. You know, uh, Josh just finished reading his book, The Moral Arc. Yeah, you know, he said yeah. that like Bill, you've got to think about what you're saying here. You know, because Trump's voters, like voting for Trump, is a fuck you vote. You know, it's not necessarily about his principles or his policies or anything like that. It's like, no, fuck the rest of the Democrats or whoever, or the swamp or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the target, you know, of resentment is. It's sure. just, you know, it's it's like, no, fuck you. 
we feel like we're being you know attacked whether or not it's true people just feel that way and and a lot of the times we try and combat those things with rational logical arguments when that's is a good tool it should be the standard but a lot of times people just don't have those kind of arguments and you so you can't well, we overcome can't. them we can't have those arguments you know and this yeah. is the point though too this is why when we got on the topic of free speech and i said i get nervous about oh he yeah. purposely opened that beer in like in front of the microphone. I just want you to know just how I he mean, legitimately put that beer. beer as close to the mic as can, and then turned sideways like he was in a <sighs> like a Pepsi delicious. commercial when nobody can. Fish see is him. mosquito IPA. Oh from my God. Sun River Brewing Company. Okay, please sponsor us. Anyway, right. <laughs> yeah. please sponsor. We we will drink your beer all day all if you sponsor us. Yeah. Um, no, so we can't have those conversations. So the reason why I get nervous about free speech is because if you were on a platform that you have thousands of people that follow you. And this conversation is not going where I thought it was. I'm really enjoying this. Sure. Sure. I know so, we need to talk about Michael Cohen here, but I want to going. No, but you know, what? I'd yeah. say we can do it after the break or whatever. Yeah. We can, we can be fine. So, so, so look, the thing is, is that we can't, I am nervous because the way that our current culture is modeled. Okay. We, we take things such impulsively and such at value and we're not mm. trained to reason. We're not trained to, to, right. So you want to say, again, there's two problems with fighting good ideas and bad ideas, because I think good and bad in, 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 in within the individual subjective. So then you get Absolutely. like, yeah. so then it's really difficult for you to go full fight good ideas and bad ideas, because arguably these people that are fighting for the bad ideas legitimately believe they're good ideas. So they think yeah. they are fighting for good ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, you know, I agree with fighting good ideas and bad ideas, but also you get into weird territory because that's kind of subjective. I do think that there are objective good ideas, you know, and things like mm -hmm. that. And, you know, good and evil is just a, is a construct of the human brain. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, um, I, you know, Josh, you're getting onto something here in that we really don't know what's good and what's bad. And we really don't. There's, there's just something about like, not being able to have, you so, know, because again, like I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stand here and like support free speech no matter what. Sure. But at the same time, like, what do we do? Exactly. Cause it gets, so what we, so that's the problem because people are not, they're not taking the time to digest and, and really think about if this is an idea they like about, you know, my favorite thing is I, is a uh, certain people, I try to get people to start to philosophize without them realizing it. Because mm -hmm. I ask questions, so people will tell me, "Oh, hey, Which is I, the best tactic to use on anybody." Oh, seriously? Right? So people like so. My favorite question. Get them to think more. Yeah, my favorite question is, "Oh, why do you do that?" Yeah, you know, people come up to me and they go, "Oh, I do this, this," and I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting. Why?" And then they look at me like, "What?" And I'm oh. like, "I just would love to know is yeah. what happened to lead you." To, to do this way or why do you believe that or you know one of the things i actually use on you a lot which i think is is good for both of us is when people will just have like a blank statement about something necessarily that they haven't uh thought about too much they'll just say it as if it's true i'm like can you elaborate on that yeah elaborate that's you good know? too yeah you know? but i just um, my favorite is to get them thinking especially for yeah. abstract ideas they're like you know i, I believe that, you know one of my hosts or what you know the, I, I don't know just give any sort of example when i hear something of somebody say i believe this and then I'm like, huh, well, why do you believe that? And there's this moment of like, oh, I don't know. Oh. I just, yeah, like I just do. I hadn't uh, thought about it. Why did you say it? Yeah. <laughs> and so like for me, then I started realizing like, I really should start thinking about what I believe in and is it, it why I believe in that mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. see if that shit holds weight. No, seriously, Josh. I mean, I've, I've started to seriously have deep personal inquiries on 
how much I value liberalism, at least yeah. in the in the classical sense, you know, because I have as I've been heading in this Nietzschean direction that sure. I that, that this kind of project that I've undergone, um, <clears throat> I realize that liberalism certainly only takes us so far. You know, uh, obviously there are there are many problems of of inequality and 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 people not truly succeeding in the best way that they can, or at least human flourishing is not maybe where it could be. And so, I think to myself, is are these really the is this really the best lens to view this from? And then sometimes I go back and forth. It's like maybe maybe we not maybe none of us maybe not all of us need to be truly fulfilled in life you know maybe there are other things you know i don't know it's it's a bit more of a, well of fulfillment could take many, many forms and many course, aspects yeah. in life and two you know we we had a great conversation off mic about you know this idea of opportunity not really scaling when it comes to mm-hmm. you know because opportunity this is kind of my kind of idea now granted there's more markets that open up and there's different sectors and there's different things that do that but in certain systems the more that you know prices increase per time the more that the cost of living increases and the wages wages are starting to stagnate and things like that it's going to be progressively more difficult to reach a opportunity when you come from poverty or when you come from a place of no money yeah and maybe back in the 60s or 70s when college wasn't as expensive when it didn't cost as much to to live in a home or when it did buy a house when it didn't cost as much to to rent and all these different things we had more opportunity to be able to to build something of our lives and the more that we go the more expensive things cost you know and we're trying to you know like for our podcast for example you know we 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 finally pulled the trigger and we're on google now we have like this google ad that we're doing and oh we're expanding. that's right yeah yeah so we're trying to get on iHeartRadio. easier when if you if you're searching for us if you're trying to tell um, yeah, your friends and relatives and loved ones and children and don't don't let children listen to this. When you search yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make necessary bullshit like the onesies for your kids. I would love that. I would, <laughs> my, gonna, I would gonna, love my kid wear that. that. I'm sorry, but. but so the thing is though is that like we looked at the pricing of it, you know, and it's like sure if we wanted to drop a thousand dollars a month, we can reach a massive amount of people. Mm-hmm. And so you just realize that even when you're trying to kind of build this quote unquote American dream. You need money to do it. That's just the reality of how of yeah. how our current yeah. system works. And the more money you have to put into stuff, the more money you can come out of it. So we literally have a system that's designed that the most amount of money spent will oftentimes convert to the most amount of money earned or gained. Yeah, it's kind of like the lottery. You know, like if you just spend, you know, a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars on the, on the latest lottery ticket, you know, on Powerball, which sometimes gets to staggering amount in oh ways. it actually hit a record it hit a record or at least the Oregon Oregon lottery did <gasps> yeah the mega ball you were just so distracted I know I'm disgusted I don't know why you get sick every single time we need to record see here's the thing though I because take, I know I have to come over here and see your face sure see I take yeah. apple cider vinegar and Garcinia Gabosia I'm oh, always god that's I'm disgusting gonna, I'm gonna promote that because you disgusting. have been sick way more than I have well here's the thing so you have a child this time yeah I have a child yeah, who is it's... a cesspool of diseases and <laughs> and illness you make you know. parenting just sound so wonderful I know please it's, have you heard it's that Andy Samberg joke horrible. real quick I don't think so. What he's talking about? Oh no, yeah. When Andy Samberg was talking about when his wife, when he had, when his wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. he was just like everybody's like, "Oh my god!" He was a like, great comedian, by the way. Or no, 
Uh, he's married to somebody. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I, so he was saying that, like, when his wife was pregnant, everybody was like, oh, my God, like, you're going to become parents. It's so blessed. It's beautiful. It's it's this. It's that. And, like, <laughs> they're talking about – and he's like, as soon as my baby was born, those same people were like, welcome to hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. And that's just a really and, funny know, joke. Uh, Aziz Ansari has a similar bit like that where uh, he's talking about, like, everybody's like, oh, man, you got to have kids. You know, you're getting close to that. You got to get married and have kids. And he's just like, What? I see all of, you know, my parent friends who have kids and they're just awful little human beings. You know, they can't even walk. And I look and uh, he says something along the lines of like, look, I can do it just fine. You can barely do it. Like, <laughs> Well, here's a little anecdote yeah. because, you know, I got in trouble for my mom because I called my, my two-year-old nephew a little bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and let me defend myself here because I'm his uncle. So obviously I'm allowed to be the rude one. Yes. But he is getting to that phase where he just likes to get, he's curious. He's a kid. And so we're standing in the kitchen and he just open he just keeps slamming the fridge door. Like we're talking like aggressively slamming yeah. the fridge door. So I put my hand my on the son door. My son almost figured that out. Yeah, so I put my hand on the door and I'm like I'm like Boogie? That's what we call him cuz he likes yeah. to dance. We're like Boogie? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. I looked at him right in the face and I was like no. And he looked at me. I said, got it? And he did it again. So he's a kid. Got it. Yeah. So I stopped it. I said, no. Uncle Josh says, no. Mm. And he looked at me, and he didn't break eye contact. He just reached, <laughs> still holding. He like, he's, we just had a stare. He didn't even blink. He reached, grabbed the fridge door, and just slowly opened it. And I said, you're being a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom said, don't call him that. And I was like, he straight up just he's mad dog bitch. stared you gotta, me. You got to call him out when you Yeah, see I'm going to call him out because like I was like, that is rude behavior. <laughs> like, he just... Mm. You know, just that's the biggest thing, man. You know, don't will let, to power. He was exercising know, his will he, he to power. Absolutely was, was, but doing. you know, you can't let your kids, you know, exhibit behavior that you hate. Don't, don't let you, don't let your kids make you hate them. You know, just don't, I, you know, that was a very in, an eloquent way of saying that. But you know, like, <laughs> don't hate your kids. You know, don't let them exhibit those behaviors where you're going to end up doing that. You got to fucking stomp that shit out when they're like, you got to tell them no. Right. And so this is, this is also the part too. It's like, you know, you get on not only just education, but I think that uh, education is important, not for just the kids, but education needs to be important to educate people that would like to be parents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is what I'm a huge advocate on it because I, it blows (laughs) my mind how much shit childhood adversity fucks up a human being and how much mm-hmm. suffering that they go through when they are not raised properly and how ignorant so many people are because yes, I agree that it's your right. Nobody should tell you to not bring a child into this world. But if you have no idea how to properly raise that child to psychologically fuck. Now, obviously there's exceptions to every rule. Every statistic has certain people that will, you know, there's going to be people that have, the well, most, there's a curve, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's going to be fucked up people. There's going to be people that have fucked up childhoods that are fine in the middle. And then you've got, yep, the and you got the outliers on the tail. So I'm just main talking about these averages where so many people are having children and they don't, they're not aware at all mm-hmm. what they are doing to their child. Yeah. And I think it's important that there should be access, even whether it's free or however it's done for children in particular, because then we won't be in the fucking pickle that we're in now. You know, we talk about that too, where it's like to get back kind of on track here when, when it was really going to like, what do you do in the comment section? And this is what I'm going to say that I do. I'm not a fan of virtue signaling. I'm not a fan of signaling in general, right, right. but I do it because it keeps the beast calm. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is people are so easily sensitive that you say one little thing like you just experienced, they think you're attacking their entire well-being. 
So for me, I have to, I call it like the, the, the Rosetta stone for critical thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how to Rosetta stone somebody is I slowly go, okay, well, I kind of agree with this and, and I want you to know that I agree with your overall sentiment. I, cause they can attack you if you do that. So I'm kind of pulling the Eminem eight mile thing to where if I diss myself enough, there's nothing to diss about. So if I acknowledge just to start, that the overall idea of what, what you know, like steel manning in the sense of like, look, I get what you're trying to do and I support what you're trying to do, but yeah, this is what you're doing and this is how it's not helping. Now, I know you rolled your eyes at that, but at well, least for now, it's kind of I a mean, safer- it's not that I it's not that I disagree with your method. Um, I just think that that may not, I, I don't think it'll work on everybody. I think some people are so either set in their ways or they you know okay so one of the things i was going to bring up earlier when talking about what to what to do about this situation is i'm sure you've heard of the the classic uh trolley problem right yes. when you, when oh you, yeah you know you know just for five just for, people. The, just for the sake of you know our our listeners here who who may not know um you know the trolley problem is this classic philosophical uh problem where there are two uh train tracks and on one track there are five people standing there and then on uh the other track there is one person standing there and all six of them have no idea that there is a trolley or or train uh coming towards them and um let's see i think for the sake of the problem i think the trolley is is automatically heading towards the five people and so you have a choice to switch the rails um and uh divert no i think it's automatically heading towards your loved one I don't know if it has to no, be. No, it a loved is because you have to save them. Well, that's the original. I think there are. I, I mean, there are a lot of variations. There is a variations. Like, yeah. I guess the one I heard is like the, the most emotionally fucked up is you have a handle and yeah. the train's heading straight towards like your dad or a loved one, uh-huh. and you can save them by pulling the handle, but you kill five innocent, five random innocent people right, if you do that. Right, right, right. So then it's a matter of are five lives you don't know more important than a life that you do yeah. know? Well, I think so. The co- the core issue here, right, is saving the many over the few or sure. the few over the many, right? Yeah. Whether or not you know them and and basically is what uh, the the positions that are supposed to be staked out here is if you save the five, then you fall into more of a utilitarian. Whereas if you, if you, if you save the one, then you're a deontologist. Now, most of the studies done on this, at least psychological studies, is that there's a lot, it's a lot of in between mm-hmm. that people either, um, you know, do either fall into a deontologist camp or a utilitarian camp. Um, and I'll put some links, uh, in the show notes here to, to Wikipedia just so people can, can kind of get a refresher or kind of figure out some things on their own. Um, and, uh, but I do think there's, there's more of an, uh, of an instant, uh, instinct rather to, to be a deontologist, whereas saving the individual or not interfering at all. And I think it's really interesting to say that when people take a, a stance on an issue, whether, you know, if, you know, kind of what we were talking about before the sentiment of fighting, good ideas, fighting bad ideas with good ideas. But oftentimes when people are fighting from a position, you know, they think that their ideas are the good ones. I think here you have an issue of people taking, they're taking the moral high ground, right? And saying they're like, no, our position, our position is right because of these moral principles. Now I happen to think that a lot of them have to do with utilitarianism, right? The greatest good over, over a lot of people. Right. And so if you look at issues of the LGBT and I know we, we didn't really cover it earlier with my anecdote about the proud boys, you know, it's not really worth it. But if, if, if they really think that the LGBT are being attacked 
by, you know, a few members of the Proud Boys who were the equivalent of Nazis. And of course, if you're a utilitarian or at least viewing the, the, the good of the, of the greater amount of people over, over, the, over the few, then you're going to side with that argument. You're like, look, these people are being attacked here, you know, and we need to, we need to make sure that they're, that they're safe. Whereas if you're a deontologist or, or you have some kind of similar principles, principles to, to something that I might fall into, it's like, look, the individual is the most important um, you know, at least in, insofar as they're suffering, it can be the most understandable here is that I would, I mean, I guess in the trolley problem, I would, I would rather not interfere at all because well, the trolley problem responsible. is possible, but you know, I, I view the individual as important, but of course it depends on if I know the people or I don't know the one guy, like there's so many issues that's, that's actually wrong with the trolley problem. But I think that's an. That's well, no, an you're you're trying to ask for concept. First of all, you're trying to yeah. ask for context of the situation, which yeah. is important because in real life, it's not just a random set right. of this or that. There's contextual involvement to all of it. Yeah. Uh, the five people. Tell me about all five of their lives. You know, or things like you know. Sometimes yeah. you don't know that. How but many I, of them have children? Their right, families. right. But maybe one of them is a psychopath. But really, what that what the trolley problem is though is just the classic trope of logic, logic versus emotion. Yeah. Because the person you know in one lane is the emotional response. The person in the other lane is a logical response. So logic says that, sure, saving five lives is better than one life. Well, well let me just stop you right there. I don't know if that's necessarily a logical... Okay, before you get yeah. all, like, super-duper, like, nitpicky well, like you usually I, well, do, you I get nitpicky. I know, Josh, but I think that's important here because... I know. You're talking contextual the quality of that life. So we're talking about Albert Einstein, or let's say Newton... Mm-hmm. So we have Isaac Newton on one side, and we have five nobodies. So you're arguing that, like, in a different context, the brain or what Isaac Newton is contributing yeah. would be a more valuable I, I person think, than those five. I think the only re- the only way logic is is coming in here is if you're a utilitarian. Where if you're a deontologist, your logic is to is to is to save one, you know the one person, especially maybe if you do know them, right? Like, look, I don't know these other five people. And so logic is telling me here, like, it's better to save this one person that I know or person that I love, right? And That's so, emotional logic. That's the emotion. Versus- I, don't know, I, I, I don't think you can necessarily uh, uh, separate those two things. I, I think that emotion is built into it. I think that there are certain parts of our, our, our primate or mammalian, you know, centers in our brain here that can't, they can't separate what what's logical and what's emotional. Here. Okay, well then I'm yeah. going to attempt that. So please, please do. With yeah. the five people logically, and go all five of them have mothers and fathers. All five of them, you know, have families. Uh-huh. So if I let this one person die, yeah, that's going to affect me. But if I let those five people die, logically. I'm actually affecting five families, mm-hmm. five mothers, five daughters, five sisters, five brothers. So in the in what I think, to me, seems a logical response is that I can look at those families and not be really emotionally connected to them, but I can logically understand that those are five families that are going to have suffering. So I'm going to cause suffering for five different families. But if I do this, I only cause suffering for mine. So I am negating suffering by choosing to make my own family suffer and not have five other families suffer. Yeah. Now that is a way that I am logically looking at the amount of suffering that would be, would be happening by hitting those two people. But then I go to emotion and I go, that's my fucking 
whatever, screw all of you. I don't deal with you. So what I'm talking about, what I think, and this might be emotional logic, but to me, I can logically identify that they're all going to have fathers and mothers. They're all going to have aunts and uncles. They're all going to have families that are going to be affected. And I can make a choice to take my family because it's logically less suffering to take care of one family than it is to to, to, to damage five. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, what do you think about that? So again, I mean, you know, I don't. I don't see necessarily a flaw in your in your logic. Sure, it's that again. It, it it's from a position of utilitarianism because is what you're doing here. You're saying that like even though you're you know let's just you know let's just go assume here that the one person that could be hit is uh, somebody who you you know deeply or, or 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 in love with or somebody you know in your family right and then the other five people you know or just randos you know plebes who have but who all have families is what you're doing you're placing a greater value on these people there's the sum total value is greater than the value of this one person now it could be that you're trying to choose to ignore emotion right no i'm just telling you but, that i okay sorry go ahead i'll let you finish but, and i'll tell you what i think I'm doing. but again you're saying that these people are more valuable than, than this one person i'm saying that it had to take me a logical i had to use logic to come to that conclusion so no what, doubt. No what doubt. I'm telling you is the reason why I'm just I'm just arguing that it's a classic trope. What the trolley problem does is it, it it's our internal struggle between how we think emotionally and how we think logically. Yeah. So okay, well, let the me single just... person identifies our emotional thinking yeah. and the five identifies our logical thinking because I have to logically work around justifying the five to be more important than the one. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Well, if I care I think, about, if I care about, this is just in the context, and this is we actually should clarify our context. Yeah, yeah. My particular example is in the context of having a family member that I love uh-huh, be the one, uh-huh, uh-huh. and five random people be the five. Yeah, that's yeah. the context where I go. If it's a family member I love, there is no my emotional reasoning. I love that person. There is no logic there. I just straight up love them. See, I would. I mean, I would. You know, I don't have to well, think, push back saying, a little bit here in that you know. I could still use a a a a logic in that this you know this person who is either related to me or I'm deeply in love with like if it was my wife you know but I also didn't want these other five people to die to me I can logically work out like why it's better for me to save my wife right because okay you're being picky on terms and let me redefine what I mean by logic yeah that. let's let's define logic here because yeah. we're getting very picky i mean again this is one thing that i have to work with you just to make sure that i'm clear on my points because you well you i've studied understand. formal logic so right i, I can d- understand why i'm sure getting, yeah. absolutely i meant logic in the sense of a no-brainer for one choice but an actual process of thought mm-hmm. to validate mm-hmm. for the other choice mm-hmm. so, so you're so, so you're saying that uh so with the five people and choosing to save them there are more steps involved, um, whereas either saving or not saving the one person is a little bit more instinctual. Yes. Even though there may be some other reasoning going yeah, on. Yeah, so you're right. From somebody looking in, everything is quote-unquote, and I'm doing air quotes right now, logic. Because you have to have like an, you know, they have to have a reasoning for why you're going to do what you do. So I'm not arguing that it isn't logic either way. I'm just kind of more defining my... My thing of logic is when I think of something emotionally, it it just happens. There's no control. Yeah, yeah. I just do it, or it, like it overtakes me. But when I th- when I have to think of things logically, I have to take the time 
to really think things through. Mm-hmm. So when I view from a common man point, the difference between logic and emotional is emotional. Is Shouldn't just, you say common person, Josh? Wouldn't that be more oh my God. correct? For the common person, yeah. logic to me is taking the time to really think about it. And emotional is just responding. Yeah. It's just an impulse. It's reactionary. Reactionary. Yeah, yeah. So when I view that thing, I would like to think the reason why I think the one person is emotional, because you would like to think that if a train was coming really, really fast and you only had a split second, I think most people would, would save their loved one. It's impulse. Oh, you yeah, care. Yeah. Most yeah. people. Yeah. Now, if they told you that that train's coming in 10 minutes and you're grounded there and you have 10 minutes like, to pull that handle. Man, what do I do? Yeah. What am I, what am I going to do? So you're going to know automatically. I would call somebody who's in charge. <laughs> right. I know. I, know. I would yeah. just be like, who, uh, you I don't want to be responsible for somebody dying. That's a great idea. If that happened, I would be like, get the company on the phone. See, they are getting sued. That's, that's why I, I, I think the... I, I think you would agree here that the better way to go about this, and I know we've thrown out some philosophical terms here, but to just be a consequentialist. I just love that, that we're just de- we've just yeah. debated the past way on this damn <laughs> hypothetical theory. That's it's awesome. Cr- this is, look, this is what philosophy I, I, is. I, I, mean, I know that, but that's know, what, this, yeah, yeah, it is. is it it's is. great. So okay, okay. Go I, I think the best thing that we could do is all be consequentialists in that, look, what are the consequences of my actions? You know, what plays out here? What's better for me? What's better for the people around me, or the, or the or the the majority? You know, you ha- it's it's a much more complicated thought process. And you know, let's just say in the instance of the trolley problem, right? You know, if you do have a little bit of time, then like, yeah, I'm not gonna like, I am I am not qualified to make the this, this decision. Sure, you know, like I'm gonna call somebody who's in charge or call the police or something. I don't want it. Well, like like that, like the it. finale or, of Mash. Sorry if uh, for spoiler alert. Is that dating? Is that dating? Us? It is dating. Oh yeah, it is God. dating. So Mash. Um, world. You know, it's all Vietnam War show. Yeah. Um, but it's actually kind this of with Alan Alda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the last episode. This is very fascinating. This is kind of close to the trolley problem. That's why I want to bring it up. <laughs> Good. This soldier was just like distraught, and then when they asked him what was going on, he, you know, basically it was just describing that. He had watched, you know, a bus be stopped mm-hmm. by the Viet Cong, and this mother literally s- suffocated her baby to death to prevent the baby from crying because she knew that if they were found, the entire bus would be murdered, yeah, including yeah. her and her baby. Yeah, yeah. So she very had to, similar to uh, stories from uh, Nazi Germany. Yeah. yeah so she yeah. had to. So like, just he was just so destroyed watching this mother smother her own baby yeah, yeah. because. She knew that all of us die or only my baby dies. Mm. And I don't even know if people would be able to fucking make that decision. That is, I, I couldn't even fathom being put in a position to where it's everybody's murdered or I have to, to suffocate my baby. Yeah, I think. Uh, would you just let, let me ask you this question. Thought, if they said that if you were in that situation where you had your son. And everybody would die, including you and your son, unless your son, at least you had to take your own son's life. Do you think you'd be able to do it? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think that I wouldn't get myself into that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love that. That's the standard yeah. answer. I love that. Like my answer is, I'm never going to be in that situation. So fuck you so for I'm putting not me there. Fucking answering. That. Yeah, no, I don't uh, want to answer it because I don't want to be there. So I mean. <laughs> God, I guess we're you know. Ha- actually, you know what? Yeah. No, this is what we're gonna do. We're an hour and twenty one minutes in. We've not even touched the topic that we were gonna. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, we I'm are. Great time. But this is the best part to take a break because I just great asked idea. Ian this question, and we're gonna go re up on beers and put them in our makeshift cooler, use the restroom, get everything done, mm-hmm. and then when we come back, 
I'm going to tell gonna you whether or not his... I would kill myself. <laughs> Ian's going to tell us whether or not great he would, in a, this hypothetical situation, yeah. murder his own child to Maybe save should, everybody else. I, you know, I, if we had enough followers, I would put out a... <laughs> A poll on Twitter. That would no. Like, that, would you kill your child? <laughs> that would no. We're not doing a poll on Twitter. But all right, guys, we'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Automatically disable Amber Alerts. Yeah, because why would I want to get that kind of information? Just like, look, I'm really only concerned about my kid. Oh, Jesus. Well, speaking of which, you're yeah. concerned about your kids. So, yeah. Uh, so before, now that we're back from the break. Um, I can't wait for Ian to I had a big poop. I had a big, she had a big poop. Oh my god! I can't wait for Ian to answer this question. So let's. Go yeah. So what's what's the and again? Scenario? This is all theoretical. It's not true. Not it, it's totally. This is what I would do. This situation. What's okay. the scenario? Okay. So here's a scenario. I think I like the one that I proposed. So I went with Ian and his family to the science museum in Portland called OMSI. And we were we were going we were doing fantastic time uh, fantastic time. <laughs> so there was this King Tut museum that uh, this exhibit exhibit, yeah. exhibit that yeah. they were they were having, and so we bought tickets for it. But the show was until one thirty, and we didn't quite know what we were getting into. You know, they didn't they weren't very particular on what was happening. Yeah, and they just like kind we of should have had the foresight to look. Into we it. definitely should have. So the problem was that you know obviously Ian had his very young son, and like kids do, like you have a clock. Before they start getting tired and grumpy, yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a a, a bomb ticking down. To <laughs> so we thought like exhibit. So we thought that we're going to buy a ticket and be able to walk around and see stuff. Well, we didn't realize that when you first come into the door, they put you in this very dark room with a screen, and you have to watch like a twenty minute video. It wasn't twenty minutes; it was more like twelve, but it felt like twenty. It felt like twenty. Yeah. So you're right. Well, maybe ten minutes. It was like a ten minute video. Yeah. It felt like twenty. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was very quiet. And then you put us in a dark room in a TV, and I think maybe your son was like, he's trying to put me to sleep, so fuck this. And your son was, he, was just, all, he also got a little bit scared. Because oh, that's lights, true. He did. When the lights he did, go yeah. off, sometimes when he can't see, he's like, uh, even if one of us is holding him, he's like, I can't see you guys. Is so he was starting to, you know, he was starting to get fussy. And yeah. you can tell people do that thing where they kind of like look over and shift. Okay. And, and then like, you know, obviously they're trying to like kind of calm down. So let's just say this scenario. Let's just say that we, we have our tickets. Mm-hmm. And we'll say that we went to Omsi in times of war. We're in war. <laughs> but we wanted to see the King Tut World Museum. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll say that unknowingly to us, that as we were going in and doing our tickets, people were starting to, to come into Omsi with weapons, and, and the, the, this, this, this opposite side was starting to take over Omsi, and they ha- already dominated most of the stuff, and they didn't know about this room that we were put in. Because nobody knew about this room. They just sell you tickets. And it's like the secluded kind of room. And if we just stayed quiet, they would never have known we were there because you actually can't see a door. Right. It's all a curtain. It's yeah. all a curtain. Yeah. So we'll just say that we're in this space about to see this video. And then all of a sudden the power goes out and you hear like people with guns talking. And they don't know, where are they? We don't know where they are. And then your son starts to go mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And we know these. Well, I'll say this. You know the group of people on the other side of that door. So you know. That if they find out, all of us are going to die. Yeah. But if we all stay quiet, then we will live. And the one person that's making noise... Is my fucking crying loud son. Those are your words, not mine, but yes. Yeah. So, a few things here. Uh, First of all... 
No, I would not uh, silence my son or suffocate him or any way. I just wouldn't do it. Um, I've I can't tell you, Josh, how many times where we've watched some. Okay, so here's a, a spoilers, just in case. We were watching Game of Thrones uh, last night. Um, actually, pretty much all day yesterday because we've been sick and stuck in the house. And we were. It was in season five, and uh, Stannis Baratheon, you know, trying to claim his uh, case for the throne. Um, with the the red woman, um, not Melisandre. Is it Melisandre? Yeah, yeah. You know, she was just like, "Hey, you should sacrifice your daughter." You know, to the red god or not red god, but the the, the Lord of god. Light. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess no, it is the Lord of Light, the, the, yeah, the, the, the red god. Sometimes, anyway. Well, he does it, and his his wife and and mother of their daughter. He does it very, very, very. very terribly by the way yeah yeah definitely for sure but her entire existence her the 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 wife and mother really loathes her daughter yes right? because she's like def- defaced with uh the grayscale illness that's within the uh within the lore of the of the series and he straight up sacrifices his daughter by burning her at the stake I was basically crying watching that oh that's a terrible you know, it's it's absolutely because terrible. you had uh is a Davos that really just cared for oh, that. Oh, yeah, guy yeah. Too. He wasn't even there to see and it. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like, it just it all happens, and, and you're like, oh, Mike. And the, yeah, that, and you're right, though. That's that just the. I don't even have kids, but I'd like to tell you right now that I know the kind of empathetic, compassionate person that I am. I would never be able to suffocate my own child. Yeah, okay. yeah. I said, guess what, guys? I'm sorry that my son's here, but sorry, we're all dying today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, so right there, that's my, that's my. First okay. answer, sure, and, sure, and it's my first answer here by saying that. Like, <laughs> first of all, when you have a, when you have a kid, this might this just may something that you might not think about. You, I don't know, maybe it's something about being identifying as a man or or being born male or um, having some masculine qualities. Qualities is that I've been in scenarios where there have been some sketchy folk around uh, when I have my wife and my child with me, and. That before I was married or before my son was born, I didn't even think about being nervous about. Right. Um, whereas now, okay, so there was an incident uh, a couple years ago, like almost almost two years ago. I think we were down in Central Oregon for either Thanksgiving or Christmas, and we were it was Christmas, and we were uh, our sister was driving, my sister was driving back with us, and we were getting gas at a at a gas station. Um, for those of us not in Oregon and New Jersey, we have to sit and wait for our gas to be pumped. Anyway, well, all of the doors were unlocked, you know, because I nor you know before then I normally didn't lock my doors while I was driving. But my wife was sitting next to me, and my son was behind her, and my and my sister was uh, behind me. Well, the we were uh, finished pump. Our gas was finished being pumped, and I was kind of distracted, selecting music on my stereo and. And my wife and sister were talking to each other. So it, I was just distracted. Right, right. And the gas tenant, instead of trying to get our, get our attention by, like, either knocking on the window or saying or trying to, like, yell through us. I think I even had one of my windows down. After our gas was being pumped, uh, finished uh, pumping, he opened the passenger door where my wife was sitting. And our, when we've got dogs in the in the back who already don't like going to gas stations who are barking by people next to us, he opens my wife's door. He's like, "Hey, here you go." I didn't know he was the gas attendant. Sure, like yeah. I had no idea who it was. Like I was, I was distracted. That seems kind of like oddly evasive. Like I just wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. right. That does seem kind of weird to just open somebody's door and like literally you couldn't have knocked on the window or something like that. And I, Josh, I I, I lost it. 
Did you really? I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is my wife sitting next to me. I'm like, don't just open my my car door. I This ain't lost- the 50s anymore, yeah, bro. I, 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 Josh, I lost it. Really? And, I, um, and, and I'm like, shut the fucking door. I'm yelling at this guy. Were you surprised like, I was, at yourself? I like, was shocked. I was yeah. shocked in my own behavior and, and, this, and this person's behavior themselves. And I was just like... I was just kind of ravenous. You know, I got out of the car door and he's like, oh man, I'm sorry. And my dogs are freaking out because somebody's, you know, somebody over there. Right. You, well, you are, you're also not right. like that, but they open up the door. So you raise reacting. your voice. They can sense that. Exactly. So they're and barking. So I get out of the car and he's like, look, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Don't do that. And so now every time I go to the gas station, if I have my kid or my wife with me, I lock the doors. And so... One of the things that you learn as a parent, or at least um, a partner, you know, or married as a married couple, you tend. I think I don't think it's necessarily masculine, but I think that you tend to look out for your partner and for your kin. And so, being in that mind frame, when you are going into a situation where there are necessarily no exits, there are times, Josh, where I'm just out and about constantly trying at least attempting to be aware where my exits are maybe this is the kind of inner conservative in me trying to like constantly be you know aware of you know of a post-apocalyptic situation where i need to survive in the most brutal conditions i don't know but there's something about having somebody you know born from from your blood that you're just like you have this 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 urge to protect and and your loved ones to protect you know, and so when you run into situations like those where you're not necessarily familiar with this, you know, kind of like the OMSI situation where we went in there and it was just black curtains. There are exit signs, right, on either side. So you kind of know sure, where to yeah, go, yeah, yeah. at least on the inside, right? So, like, one of those things is, like, con- even when he was, when the lights went out and he was starting to cry, it's like, oh, my God, like, do I have to, like, leave the situation? And, like, I'm trying to look for where the exit is and, and like, in case I do. So one of the things that you're doing as a parent is constantly preparing yourself for situations. Now, of course, we were very ill-prepared in that time because we went there. We got there at, like, what, 11 or 11.30 in the morning, and the thing wasn't until 1.30. We're like, oh, let's have a good time, and let's walk around. And Well, to be fair, you thought it was, like, incremental. You thought it was going to be, like, every 15 minutes they're doing exhibit. Yeah, which which is is normally they do. But it wasn't until one thirty, right? They but start. before you know, I yeah. don't like. Dude, who cares about logistics on that? That's yeah. not what we're. It, it's really not mm-hmm. going to benefit the conversation. But what will benefit the conversation is I just want to touch on a few of those things. First of all, I understand your innate need. Like again, like if I just wanted to critique that that situation, anything. Like first of all, again, this is where context is important because I would like to think that that man did not mean you any. Oh, of course, of course not. Yeah, and so it's like one of those things where. Again, it's weird. It's like being empathetic where it's like, I get why you were upset by that, but it's like to attack him for doing something that he probably doesn't have a family. So it's like, it's interesting to, to hear your but emotional response. Thinking, you know, right. So, it's, so it's, but it's a most response. Like, why would you do that? Da, da, da. He's like, dude, I don't know. Like, I just was trying to be polite. Oh, he, and he was like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I just like your dogs. And, and, and I'm like, I don't care. You know, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, and like, yeah. so for again, like for me again, I think it's a classic, I'll say this again. It's a problem with context. Mm-hmm. 100%. And secondly, like I feel you on that because one of my friends said, you know, her mom was just sitting at a stoplight. Her, her purse mm-hmm. was in the passenger seat. Some lady just came up, opened up the door, took the purse dipped. Yeah. 
And ever since I see that, I keep my wallet in my passenger seat oftentimes. And ever since I heard that story, now I look around, I just, I hit my locks. Mm -hmm. So I also heard a story that's probably would never really happen. Like the odds of somebody just walking up and open up your car door and take it. But now that I heard that, I also lock my doors just because like, it's better to be safe than sorry. And again, it's like, it's like, you know, Brett Weinstein's metaphorical truth. It's the same kind of idea where like, no matter if nobody's going to do that, I am safer to just have my doors locked. So no matter what, nobody can get in. It's mm-hmm. a safer practice to live. It's a, it's a, even though it may not be truthful and nobody's going to do that, yeah. it's still metaphorically better for me, you know, to take that route and to lock the door. Which, and, it, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much more we have to add on that, but I think it really goes back to what I was talking about earlier when we when we value safety over risk and yeah. just, and the consequences of living in in a bigger populous yeah right you know like there are things you know we don't know everybody you know we're much more anonymous and people have motivations that we don't necessarily understand which we should absolutely take the time to do you know what's really interesting to to think about that dynamic Mm -hmm. digitally we we know people more than we ever have before but in reality we know them way less yeah, yeah, and that's kind of a weird. Well, because we only see snapshots. Sure, you know, we see like, what people that we see what they want us to see. I tweet maybe you know two or three times a week, right? So I could say something, but like, well, that guy's that's a really profound tweet. You know, I'm just like brag, you know, brag. Oh, you mean like my ocean tweet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> um, but then I could be a moron the rest of the week. You know, like we're really only getting stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make any any. I'm not going to make any you know specifics here, just to protect the people that I know. But I have oftentimes, hilariously enough, heard people come up to me and they bitch about a particular person. You know, like <laughs> yeah. and usually a particular person that they're with. They're doing this. They're doing that. I'm probably gonna, you know, I'm probably gonna break up with them. I'm probably gonna do this. They like, do this. Please break up with them so I don't have to. Hear and they them. do, you know, they talk all this shit. I need to do this. They're not providing this. They're not doing that. And then, you know, I get on Facebook or I get on Twitter. I get on whatever platform. Like, you know, three hours after that conversation, and it's just like, you know, my best friend and partner. Like, thank you for your support. And it's like a picture of them. And I'm like, you're really because the person that you're thanking for supporting you sounds like a mutual friend that we know. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Uh, but it's more of like this concept of people that I know personally in real life. They will say things that they're not getting and then completely blast on social media that they're getting that said thing that they have claimed to not be getting. Right, right. And so there is this huge disconnect because we're not honest on social media. You know, some of us maybe are. I'm talking again, when I say we are not honest, I'm just talking about on average the general population. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. oh for I you, guess, Mr. No, Nippicky. I, I get no, I get I mean, I mean it's I funny because there's have to say that. Yeah, but there's yeah. moments I guess that's true, because there's moments where you're like, I get it, Josh. You're just you're speaking in generalities i'm not gonna and there's other moments you're like da, 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 da. well so, i mean yeah i mean sometimes i guess i can't help it you know just because of the kind of person no you're not wrong but it's sometimes it's funny you. because for me it's difficult yeah. to gauge when you're going to understand that i'm being general and when you're not but for the most part you know we project That's why we're having this conversation yeah we project on social media the lives that we want people to see yeah yeah that's why we take you know dress for the job right yeah exactly or it's like you know what what cracks me up is again I've lived my life probably, you know, overweight from time to time. I'm not, I'm not, never been a skinny person. Can I say something actually about that? Um, you know, I, I remember you from middle school and high school being kind of an over, overweight guy. Yeah. Like I just remember that. Yeah, yeah. But then actually looking back, 
Like, oh yeah, you're looking at photos. Yeah, no, no. I actually, I don't think you really were. Oh, oh, I see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and I actually like. I mean, I guess you're. I don't know how much you weigh. Uh, I am. Last time I checked, I'm like, I'm like 198. I hover between 198. Okay, and so you're a little. You're a little. Yeah, you weigh a little bit more. I think I'm around 190 or something. And when right when I knew you, when I got my driver's license, I was 165. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and the lowest yeah. I've been in college when I was working out real good, I was down to 178. Yeah, but the point that I'm making though is that. There's this kind of disconnect, and I normally see this with kind of heavier people on Facebook, mm-hmm. where you like, or on social media. And again, I guess I'm going to pull it, uh, the item out of your book. I'm sorry, this is going to hurt people's feelings, <laughs> but they like they try so hard to make themselves not look the way that they really are. And I'm like, yeah. and for some weird reason, that bothers me a great deal because I'm like, if you want, okay, so there's two reasons why it bothers me. One, you are who you are. So you need to just be yourself. Yeah. Because those are your choices. Like don't fool people. You're, they're your yeah. choices and your yeah. actions. I yeah. I try to navigate the dating scene and it's exhausting. And I am constantly fooled all the time. So I don't know what's going on because they are like, they work so hard. I'm going to tilt my chin mm-hmm. and I'm going to like put my chin up and I'm going to just do like the neck up photos and I'm going to block it. Or with men in particular, it's like I'm going to do... Like a photo of like me with the shotgun, or I'm gonna do a photo. Like there's <laughs> yeah. like there's like situational it's, photos. It's it's, uh, it's photo virtue signaling. Yes, and yeah. you know they they work so hard to try to appear to be somebody that they're just not. Yeah, and it's like for me, it's like in your real life, if you know, and I know this because this is what I mean. I'm talking about personal context here. I love drinking beer. Love it. I love eating. Yeah, I, do I love, love eating cheese. I love it. so I struggle because yes, I would love to look like a supermodel. I'd love to gain lose, but but the health, beer's good. You know, but no, the healthiest I've ever been and the best I ever looked, I was miserable. You know, I was at the gym twenty hours a week. I was running all the time. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't eat anything. I enjoy. I was like, we have one life to live. I can't enjoy any of the pleasures. Yolo. So yeah, carpe diem. So for me, it's like yes, I understand that I'm going to be on the like you know, on the heavier side of the spectrum mm-hmm. because of what I do in my, in my everyday life. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm that's just, similar. you have to accept all the negative consequences there. Yeah. So it's like, if you have a social media page and you want to appear to be a certain way, well then that should motivate you to, to change your lifestyle, to be that certain. Yeah. Way. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, having, excuse me about having reasonable goals that you can achieve in your life. You know, if you, really do want to view yourself in a certain way, you know, of course we all need a little bit of help and in, in motivation and incentives to, to, to behave. And, well, and there's and, all sorts of context because there's like thyroid conditions or there's like actual medical conditions to keep you big. And and people are big boned or just fat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like you genetics work, you plays work, a role. Yeah, Genetic absolutely. plays a huge role. You know? Yeah. Dare we say that, you know, we, you should work towards your goals, you know, and just a comment here on, on Tinder, right. You know, the, so, my it's wife, coming down because yeah. I'm on Tinder. I t- my, <laughs> joke it. So that's the joke I make. I take that song. I can't remember yeah. who's that Kesha. It's that Kesha song. I and don't Kesha know. and Pitbull, I think. And I make is a it, joke. Pitbull is a terrible rapper. Can I just say that on record? I think Pitbull is more of like a pop hip hop artist. I don't. I don't think he is classified as a rapper. I think he's more mm. of just pop hip hoppy. 
Well, we can debate about this Still later, but finish anyway, your thought. So both my wife and I are on Tinder. We keep it just because it's fun. You know, we like to just kind of look through and like see what's out there. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's really you know, healthy. Her, her, and I, her and I have kind of talked about, you know, maybe when we're in a better off situation and we can have our son in school that we might have get uh, a girlfriend or something like that just because it would be, you know, fun to have another person to hang out with, right, and do fun stuff with. And so we both have – we both That's bizarre. But yeah. Not bizarre, well, you but know, you know, that's not bizarre, but it's – it's just like it's I get progressive, it. Josh. Um, you know, we're open people. <laughs> anyway, you know, we both are on Tinder, and I can't tell you, you know, as first of all, there there are two things that I that I'm bothered bothered with on on Tinder. The one thing is what you spoke of is that when you're when you're looking on Tinder, and you come across women, people who identify as women. A lot of the times, if they are overweight, then a lot of the time it's just neck up, face. They've got a lot, you know, a lot of makeup, trying to make themselves look pretty. No problem with that. However. When you are trying to hook up with people and maybe they're expecting something different and they come across, you know, maybe that you're a bigger size, you know, because it's obvious, right, that you're doing that. It's just like, oh, you know, I know that sounds shallow of people, but people are shallow. Well, and they have sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't obvious. Sometimes it is obvious. Sometimes it is obvious. Sure. But here's the thing, though, too. There's different niches for people. Like, Absolutely. So what I'm yeah. saying is like what I try to tell people is like, oh, I can't believe you're that way. I said, no, no, no. When it comes to my sexual preference... There is nothing that chemically triggers when I see people a certain weight. Yeah. But that's not true because there's certain people that I know. I'm not getting no names. Mm. But I, I have a few of my friends that find women, bigger women, attractive. They, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. again, it's I know like, people like that also. I do. So, for yeah. me, it's like this pheromone thing where I'm like, girl, just flaunt what you have. Yes. Because when you flaunt what you have, no matter what it is. You're still going to get the people who are there's interested. There's going to be some people that are into that And that kind way, of thing. you're also not hiding who you are. Right. Because people, again, it's about attraction and where the average person will never tell you exactly. They can't identify to you why they're attracted to what they're attracted not, to. Yeah. There's so many different variables that go into play with our sexual selection preferences. But when it comes to some people, I have met people that, you know, my dad was a big guy and my mom's not. Hmm. And my mom loved my dad. She loved bigger men. Like that, that's an example that I would, I don't have any problem with sharing is because my mom liked bigger men. Um, You know, my dad had a gut and he loved it because you know, my my dad owned it. Sure. That's what I respect. My dad, that's the big, my dad, my dad had a belly. He didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. He whipped that thing out. He jiggle it. He didn't even care. He like, and that's what made that. And maybe that's why, again, personal experience, why I'm so adamant for that is because I never viewed my dad as fat. And I look at pictures. I'm like, yeah, my dad was pretty big. But then I think about it. I'm like, the reason why I never saw my dad as a fat person is because he owned it. Yeah. It was never made an issue. Never made an issue because it wasn't an issue to him. So therefore I didn't see it an issue within him. Right. 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 And, and again, I know because people get bullied and it's self-conscious. I I do think though that gender, you know, does play a role. Gender does. Gender absolutely does. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. But still at the end of the day though, if women are insecure about the way that they feel or look, Mm -hmm. I think it's more damaging to try to contort yourself to view a way that you think somebody would want you to look like in the long run than it would be to just be yourself. Yeah. yeah, Because if you are yourself, somebody, because it's Tinder's a huge place. It may not take as, it may not take as long. Again, because we are a very fucking superficial culture. We are very like, we... Swipe right or swipe left. You you know, know, exactly. the profile. I argue this. I argue this. Uh, my most read piece on my blog, um, love is is love romantic sacrifice question mark is this this it I- is a truly a question, isn't it? 
I did. Well, it is because there's a lot of people that believe that it is, and I'm arguing that it isn't. But the reason why I bring that up is because it is baffling to me how many people are willing to what they're able to sacrifice for what they think is like physically appealing or, or, you know, that they don't take the time to, to really value or develop mental attraction. My main argument is that physical attraction has dominated our culture and mental attraction has taken a backseat when mental attraction, I believe is the, is, is what's going to establish longevity. So clearly physical attraction has to be there, but mental attraction is longevity. So if you if we're a culture that's infatuated with physical attraction, why do you think the fucking divorce rate has climbed up to half? Yeah. Or even more now. I think but, it's like 51% now or something yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, yeah, uh, but you do, but I think you would, you would acknowledge though that it's got to be a combination of, of both, right? I mean, you know, you can't just be. Well, this is, and and it's why that uh, people of similar attraction are the ones who often end up with each other, right? You yeah, know, it's yeah. not super horrifyingly ugly people who end up with the most attractive human beings of of our species, right? It's it's most of the time it's pretty love, it's pretty even across across attraction levels. But I, I mean, I I certainly see value in what you're saying, Joshua, because you know my wife and I, you know, I'm just going to be honest here, you know, after having our child my wife has been having difficulties with her own personal body image i think that of course she could uh you know lose some weight and tighten up but i s- still love her and and i'm totally into it and now you're saying that from a physical attraction perspective yeah, yeah. or a health but, perspective or both uh more physical attraction than specifically <laughs> well health, i appreciate you being she's, honest but I... she's but i think she's still pretty healthy and then this but the second aspect of this right is that her and i Disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just as you know, we've had so many conversations off mic where he's been over at our place and we've all had this kind of uh, three-way where we talk about many conflicting issues where they honestly try to gang up on me. It's it's kind of sad. Honestly, I'm, I'm usually scared every time he comes <laughs> over because I know they're both going to... No, I mean, it's one of those things me. where it gets... But, I, see, I think the reason why Ian's so comfortable is because I think uh, the other night his his wife admitted that he do, she just doesn't listen to our podcast. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so he I can be say this. Yeah. He can he can say this because he she know, he knows yeah. she's not going to listen. But then I was like, yeah, because well, Sam Harris also mentioned that his wife doesn't listen to his podcast. Yeah, good for so, her. Good for her. But anyway, but, I'll just add you know add here that uh, that at the same time with that physical attraction, you know, my wife and I get a lot of intellectual stimulus between each other. No, that's and, true. You, you got know, you have yeah. Of course, we do point. have the aspect of raising a child, but that the intellectual. Uh, debates sometimes that we have or conversations can be very invigorating and enriching and it's and it's challenging and good especially because her and I are are not on the opposite of, of, of the political spectrum but we're certainly there's some kind of diagonal uh, there that we identify You guys with. do have very different views but I think you, you, you actually get into a good point here and I want to go down this rabbit hole Yeah This idea that Whoever decided that creating an algorithm to only put shit that you have liked on your social media platforms is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is that it, it the algorithm creates echo chambers. It's what it's designed to do. It's designed to only give you shit that like you are interested in and not stimulate thought or stimulate controversy. Not controversy. That's not the right word. What, what am I looking for? Stimulate uh, diversity. That's what sure. I'm looking for. Yeah. Diversity and opinions. And everything, diversity yeah. of thought, opinions, ideas. So this, and again, too, the algorithm is like, no, isn't 
I feel like I'm the only one that's noticed this because I tweeted about this, but I'm, I'm going to say it on you know uh, right now for everybody because like, please let me know if I'm crazy. You're shamelessly plug your blog right now? No, I'm not. I'm just going to plug this idea. <laughs> Good. Having an idea to where to track everything that we click on and do and just assume that that means we like it or enjoy it and to force feed us that seems to me like a false system because like mm-hmm. I've argued before... There's so many complexities to using the internet. Yeah. And the sense that the internet, we buy gifts for our families. We buy gifts for our friends. We look up things for our friends. We talk about things. I will click on stuff and look up stuff just because of somebody had said something to it. or And they are taking that as like profiling me. Right. And saying that like, oh, Josh, uh, oh, you clicked on shovels. So here's a thousand ads on shovels. Or you clicked on this, or even hearing me, you know what I mean? You know, our, our phones can listen to us. That's common knowledge. That's what's happening. If you don't know that, then just be aware that your phone's always listening. And the government is turning the frogs gay. Oh, my God. I'm not going to say about that. But for the <laughs> most part, you know, it's funny because I'll bring something up, and then I, like, just verbally in conversation without ever doing anything else, I look on my phone, bada bing, bada boom, there's an ad for it. So, you know, like I talked about this, Ian, I said we were talking about video games the other day, and I was like, I would love to see, like, a mainstream game in the Celtic uh, in the in set in like old school Celtic right, lore right, because yeah. that would be fascinating. Sure enough, the next day I got an ad on my phone for like here's a Celtic game that you should play. So they're always listening and doing it. But I argue that everything that I do online is not a hundred percent for my enjoyment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to to judge my algorithm of what I should look at based on what I'm clicking on just seems silly. Yeah. And to literally judge an algorithm on what you think that I would like also seems silly because I get the overall implications of that. But in actuality, that's right. I'm listening. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. We're just checking yeah. the time. But but here, I get the implications. I get the reason why that would be beneficial because I was like, oh yeah, I do want to see shit that I like. Of that, course, I get yeah. that. I get well, that. You know what's okay, so what's but interesting it, about Facebook? Let me just say here right. is that uh, there used to be a feature. It's still there technically, but it's really hard to find. At least on the Android version, where uh, when you were scrolling through your news feed, you used to be able to go into settings or somewhere, uh, uh, some somewhere where you could view actually the most recent Facebook posts of every of every page or people that you follow, right? And so it was actually it was an uncurated news yeah. feed. It was just like here's what people have posted, and it was totally unbiased. It was just like these are just the latest things, right? Whereas now. It's just your standard news feed, and I don't even think I can actually find the most recent post. It's it's hit it's hidden in some obscure way, and now you're giving because every you know every few posts you look, it's just like this ad is sponsored by this or this we're showing you because you think we think this is sure, relevant, sure, and it's yeah. enforcing these kind of echo chambers that we were talking right. about. Right, and so it's like you have to like branch about that, and I would be like, I think what you should do is you have an algorithm that for every three things I click that are similar, I want you to show me one thing that's not. Yeah. But no, just, but if we yeah. start okay, well, the funny thing is, is like that's going to cause pandemonium now. If that <laughs> if that's how social media was started, then I don't think people would freak out. But it wasn't started that way. Well, see, I, I th- see, that's interesting that you say that because I don't think that again, social media is we we the original vision. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the Constitution earlier. We had this original vision of what the country could could possibly be, and then the culture shifted in such a way that we could have never predicted. And now these companies like Facebook and Twitter are trying to uh, basically adapt to to what their creation is being used for. Well, because it's know? a it's a greed thing. Like any other new industry that starts, here's what happens: a new industry starts. Okay. 
it's fair game. Opportunity is fair between people within that industry. Mm-hmm. Not super fair because if people have money to to create a business, in uh, that, yeah, 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 got they it. can invest more of their. But at the end of the day, game. if it's something that's relatively newer, then then more people have better opportunity to getting into it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. And so then it creates this kind of like, oh, great, this is a, it's a market and there's competitive and everybody's trying to fight. It's great. It's boosting stuff. And then it becomes a point to where when people have the most money in that market, you don't want anybody else to fuck up that market. Yeah. So then you're going to do everything in your power to shut that market down competitive-wise and make right, sure that you're right. the dominant force in that market. Yeah. And you know when you look at the internet, for example, when the internet was created, it was supposed to be this free, open thing. And then, of course, the market got started and then everybody started making money. And then fast forward to now is you have the select few companies that made the most amount of money on the internet. And because money, trap, like, you know, money can buy you capital and capital gets you power, what happens is, is that when this new thing, now you have your set people, Google, Apple, and Amazon. You have your set three huge money that made the money. Now they're going to do everything in their power to keep that market yeah, dominant yeah, for them. That's, and it's I mean, a common that's, trend you see. That's, that's a problem with monopolies. Like, yes. I, I will always be that... That guy, that 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 person, you know, in the libertarian camp or free market camp, was like, "Look, like monopolies are bad. Like it actually hurts consumers. You know, if we're living in a consumer world and we want to, even if we want to exploit consumers and their behaviors, monopolies are bad for people. Yeah, well, trends and they're, ba- and they're bad for a lot of things. And trends fall. You know, trends rise and fall. Of course, some quicker, some more. Like look at the growler trend. Like how many growler shops are open that have now closed down? Yeah, not a lot. Growler guy, you like, can still get your growler for, filled at almost every pub, and that's but, maybe that's why because yeah. there's like growler stations and things like that that were done, and now the tap house. But like even mm-hmm. in the beer world, there's just so much flux of what's popular yeah, and what's yeah. not popular, and that's we just love kind of beer. By the way, <laughs> we live in Oregon, so it's like kind of law. But still, beer. though, it's just this this concept of like just the fluctuating markets and people taking advantage of them, in the sense that like you want to do everything in your power to stay on top, and that makes sense to me if you're if you are at that level then it makes sense to want to continue to stay at that level but it does affect certain people and how they're operating yeah but so here's the thing we're hitting the two hour mark so so let's damn it we're gonna talk about michael cohen we've got to but i have one last okay so this is what we're gonna do talk about your last thing we're gonna talk about michael cohen then we're gonna call this a day yes i i agree okay so i mentioned before the two things that bother me about tinder I'm about to get. <laughs> okay. I, I, I have to bring this up. I'm, I'm really sorry, but I, I have to bring this up. Sure, and just do it. I'm apologizing at the beginning here. You're like a you're like a terrible virtue signal because you just I, I am like you're trying to virtue signal, but you do it so ironically and well, you condescending. <laughs> that was going to be my next thing. I said ironically and condescendingly was yeah, going to be so, the second part. So of here's that. the thing. I, I'm really sorry for this, but it's, I'm a little bothered by it. So. Lately in the news, and we can we can talk about this in a later podcast. Sure. I think that later on, you know, as as our as our podcast grows, one of the things that we're interested in is is having guests on. Right? We have a few logistic uh, issues and technical issues to to work out through that. Sure. But one of the things, so I wrote a paper recently uh, about uh, gender and reason, and I'm writing actually another paper uh, here soon uh, about uh, the goals of feminism. And What's funny is I have that on the docket to read your thing tomorrow. Please, by the yeah, way. please, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm really interested to see, to hear what you have to say. I had I had good feedback actually from my uh, from my instructor about it. I could care less, but great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're hopefully uh, actually soon to be to ha- be having an on uh, on mic uh, conversation about gender. 
um, and it's in the works. It's in the works. And, and yeah. Josh uh, is a personal has a personal acquaintance with somebody uh, who is prominent in the transgender community, and we're really we're really looking forward to that conversation if we can make it work. Yeah. Um, there's a few steps in place for yeah, us to make yeah, sure yeah, that gets to happen. But so because obviously we're trying to grow, and that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, we're we, yeah, we are. And, but I think the importance of having that conversation is just how ambiguous the the uh, topic of transgenderism is, and people's personal experiences just aren't. You know, it. I don't. I don't think they scale up to everybody. In the I don't know. We'll community. get there though. Standpoint. Yeah. What's going yeah. on? With so, Twitter? so my problem with with uh, Tinder. And I've come across... I said Twitter. Sample, what's up with Twitter? Well, there's lots of problems with Twitter. Uh, (laughs) No, it's been getting some shit. Somebody's suing Twitter. Oh, my God. See, this is what happens. Sorry. (laughs) Stay on Tinder. We'll get there. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I was just perusing Tinder because, as I mentioned before, it's really fun. You know, my wife and I both do it. It's just fun, you know, to be... Uh, cynical and judge people and like yeah, yeah, yeah you're not wrong you're just but being not, shallow yeah. you know but you know it's only yeah. fun when you know that's what you're doing yeah it's 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 a game we don't really yes. buy into to, to all of it but you know it's just it's part of kind of what we do I think just us as a society anyway well I'm looking through there and you know you can set your your settings on Tinder you can be like I'm interested in men I'm interested in women I'm glad you said that because to be yeah. fair like I'm sure you and you and your wife are both swiping women to be fair. This is or true. she's on. Oh no, she's just true. on women. Or she on both. Uh, just women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's sorry for outing her, but she's a bisexual. Anyway. No, we're not. You already outed her. You've already stated that. Uh, yeah. I'm anyway. pretty sure. Anyway, uh, but it's important. No, I know. think actually you're right. I think yes. I did. Yeah, I think she did. I did. Anyway, so uh, so I personally on my Twitter, uh, <laughs> Twitter. Twitter, Twitter and and Tinder. That's oh my god! I think idea. we just have the new thing. Twitter. <laughs> it's 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 Twitter and Tinder in one app. <laughs> We could do. <laughs> I think we got a great idea. idea. We yeah. have a great. We yeah. just we just sit on a gold mine. Right All right, it's fuck like the that. podcast. We're canceling this now. We're creating Twitter. Yeah, we're anyway, creating Twitter. So I have my personal settings set to being interested in women. Now, members of the transgender community who are on Tinder who identify as women, I have come across them on my Tinder profile. Now, listen, I have to say, I am not a transphobic person. I totally endorse transgender transgender people to do whatever they want i don't care it's your body it's your body you know i'm the same way on on, on abortion if a woman needs to have an abortion do that okay you're a libertarian we get it keep going anyway so because i've come across that there have been people who are clearly and i'm sorry for 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 saying this but are clearly have been born male you know because there are i'm sorry there are differences between Biological sex that are, I think, clearly and just get your obvious. Point. I know, I, 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 but I have I get to preface it. this. I job. get it, but just I get know your that point. you get it. But anyway, so clearly, masculine qualities, male qualities in their facial structure and their body structure, and I see them who identifying as women coming onto my uh, onto my Tinder uh, queue, right? And it's like, look, I have to because I'm only interested in biological females. I have to swipe left, whatever that is, and, and ignore them because, like, look, I'm interested in women who are born female. And I think that it is a little disingenuous when there is still too much ambiguity on the, the Tinder platform because you can't uh, you can't identify as transgender yet on, on Tinder, at least as far as my knowledge goes, um, to where you're misleading people, I think. And... I 
like biological females because of certain physical qualities. They have vaginas, and they may be certain things. No, think what, is your, what is your point? I, I'm Andy. saying, Josh, that my problem here is that there is too much ambiguity, with, especially within the LGBTQ plus community. Right, we haven't been good at defining what we mean by whatever a woman is, by what a transgender woman is. I think there are many problems that we can face when it comes to discussing it. And so with something like Tinder, when there are probably more misogynist men out there than me who are out there go who are out there on Tinder trying to find their I mean you're you're on the you're on the uh, the relationship market right uh, yeah. so I don't know if you use Tinder uh, uh, exclusively or if you or if it's something that you go to often but you're, when you're looking for a woman let's say that you that oh you're I'm waiting for my moment to just yeah. tear you apart right now but so no, that's okay that's okay I, I not I, in a rude I way but like it. in, no, a, in no, a way I just it. yeah okay. so when you're so if somebody like you who let's just say that assume that you were interested in biological females who, who identify as women if you're going out there and searching for that and then you come across somebody who you see who is somebody who identifies as a woman and you're like hey I like that person and let's just say that their bio and every, all their pictures and everything that they're about on Tinder you totally identify with and you both connect and then let's just say the the logical conclusion comes to fruition and that you both meet up and you're like, oh, you know, maybe you have physical qualities that I'm totally not down to. Let's just say that they have a penis. Let's just say that. It's not a problem that they have a penis, but you're just not into it. Are you transphobic? Or is it just something that our preferences have to be taken into context and that Twitter itself, or sorry, Twitter, see what I'm doing? That Tinder itself is not the most robust that it could be. And we need to be better about defining what we mean. That's the broader point that I'm trying to get out. And now I really want to, I really want yeah, your feedback. Let me, yeah. let me give you yeah. feedback. First of all, what you just said is entire is so contradictive. It's hilarious. Okay. Because you have stated that it's clearly obvious that it's men trying to identify as women, biological men trying to identify as women. Yeah. You cannot make the statement that it's clearly obvious and then proceed to tell me that I'm going to be duped because they decided to do that, and I'm going to swipe right on them and meet okay. them. Yeah. So yeah. your argument is is not sound to me because if it is clearly obvious to you, then that second issue doesn't doesn't make a sense because sure, if sure. it's an app where they identify. So here's yeah. my thing: when I'm on Tinder and I see somebody that obviously is male mm-hmm. biologically, yeah, you know, and what I mean by that is like sometimes people will come up on my Tinder pro- with beards. Yeah. Like yeah. full beards. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. And their names, whatever. I just go, good for you. And I swipe left and I move on with my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, I feel like you're worrying about something that, A, that doesn't really matter. Because if I, if I had to yeah, do... Yeah, that could be true. Yeah. If I had to do more than swipe a finger, then sure, I'm on board. Like, if I actually had to do something that was took any yeah. more effort than something swiping... Like plenty of fish or some one of those... Other maybe, I don't know. But with yeah. Tinder, you swipe left, you, you take your finger, you literally do one movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... My problem with what you just said was that if somebody is bold enough to identify as that mm-hmm. thing and it pops up like that and you're attracted to that, then good for you. Swipe right and yeah. meet with those people. Yeah, yeah. And then if they end up finding out that it's not the one way or another, but here's the thing, there's a text, there's a there's a messaging function, so maybe you don't know if this person will be honest about the situation after that is done. You don't know that. Yeah. yeah. And secondly, it doesn't make sense to me to to argue about a point where we're going to dupe them because we don't know what's clear or not, when you have obviously stated that you know what it is, 
So I think that your argument just doesn't hold validity because you, it's okay for me to look at somebody and know that I'm just going to swipe left. So like, if your argument is that you don't want to swipe, swipe left on particular people because you don't think that they fit the category that you're sexually attracted to, mm-hmm. then if that's what your problem is, then sure, like whatever, you don't want to swipe left. But it doesn't, do you see what I'm saying? Your argument yeah, just so, doesn't okay, track. So maybe when right, it comes to, I, I think, I think all of your, all of your, your counterpoints are great. Right. So I, uh, maybe then would you agree with the, with the issue that we need, at least on Tinder, we need better ways to, to, uh, uh, define what, you know, what the identity, what the gender identities are available to people. Because again, the issue still exists that if I'm strictly interested in women and trans women come up on the issue, like, you know, of course I have no problem if I don't find them attractive or in, in whatever way I can swipe left. Of course, of course not. But at the same time, like they're still coming up in my feed. It's not that I don't want to see them. It's just that, that it's not relevant to me. Right. And so I think then the swipe, app, swipe left. That's... No, no. I, and, and, and that's totally fair. But I right. think an app, as far as its, uh, its utility goes, is making it more suitable to their users. Right. And so you, I think, would expect better, just better usability in that you should be able to select whatever gender identity you identify with. And so you can curate that better towards your products, which are your customers, right? Who, who are the people using your app? So I think what you're trying to say is that what would you rather have is for Tinder to have like transgender, not only as an option mm-hmm. for a category, but also an option of what you're attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like you can be like, okay, are you male? Are you male, female, transgender? So like, have you transitioned from where you're, what you're, you know, again, biological yeah. stuff being the hardware, gender being the software. Yeah. So we can identify Which is that. a beautiful metaphor, by beautiful. the way. I think we've spoken about this before, but Brett Wensign yes. uh, talked about this. Anyway. Yeah. I, no, I think that would be, I think that would be a good start because here's the thing. And then, I, yeah, but yeah. then it's also the preferences. Yeah. So there's two things. Yeah. There's, there's what are you, but then it's a preference thing where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so I am a man that's attracted to women and it would say like, oh, also, you know, trans women as well. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Boom. Sure. I'm going to hit that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then, it, then, it, then they categorize as equally. And so, but again, though, Ian, it's like the trouble with that is we, it, it's trans, it's such an issue right now that I don't want to get into. We're already two hours and 30 minutes in. So oh we're going to. Oh my gonna, God, are we? Yes. <laughs> so we're not going to get down that. We're going to, we're going to go down that route at a different time. Yeah. But the idea is, is that there hasn't even been rights and policies established for these people, let alone trying to figure out to, to an app. I would argue against that. So, well, they're not yet. They're working on it. It's, what I'm saying, though, is this is such a new thing that, the, that they're developing, that they're working on. And I mean new, like in the past 20 plus years, when it comes to being like a big major issue with what, with, which is. It's certainly a cultural issue that yeah. we haven't quite grappled with yet. And I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we can absolutely save most of this conversation for later. And I wasn't. Really I know. I know. Standing on 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 broadening this. Yeah, but you way. have to broad it though. Like no, you, you I, may not intend right. it, but yeah. if you bring yeah. up a problem you're that right. deals a trend, and because again, the app is dealing with something that they don't even know or understand yet, and like most people don't, like we don't even know what the rules are. What's again? And I'm talking about what's culturally acceptable, not acceptable, because yeah. yeah, yeah. that's what the, I think ultimately that's what the trans community is trying to do. Oh, they are yeah. trying to yeah, change yeah. Yeah. what is culturally perceived as right or wrong because these are just feel like they're people that are just trying to live their lives. Yeah, yeah. So then because culture is still conflicted on what we 
view this as as a whole what's still majority rule right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh, Yeah. as far as education goes which is not valued but look (laughs) we're at 215 yeah we might just have to make in a bonus episode but here's the thing let's let's give this justification before we do our ending spiel yeah yeah you know i told ian i watched a little bit of this today i was like we got to talk about this because it is hilarious because i knew who was a republican before just the first two sentences they said mm-hmm. didn't even matter it was so funny so we are going to talk about this but what's nice is we'll do this in a bonus episode to give Ian time to review the content and for us to have a real conversation we've had an excellent conversation so far yeah I we've I had a good conversation say, I gotta say I'm proud I'm like we, we plan to to we, talk about Michael Cohen uh, testimony today and we to see where that led us you know we but uh, we mentioned it we mentioned uh, at, it at the top of the episode but we had such an interesting conversation so we're going to do that as a bonus and do that that and uh do you have any last thoughts are you good um i think we're good i think uh, i'm good yeah i mean so I'm let's get into a hard time writing a title and then uh i know you are but it's okay it's gonna be yeah. fun it's gonna be fun so um before here thank you for listening to the necessary bullshit podcast um please again we're gonna make our plea here the goal is growth i say that quite often because any content creator also does. contribution for contribution for yeah all we, kinds of stuff we really want to hear from you all sorts of stuff that's why so, it's really important to to review the podcast oh there you go thoughts on i on itunes especially i know not everybody uses itunes sure but for those who do it really helps kind of boost the numbers and it helps us i think what is it after five five reviews, reviews five reviews you can start getting can, some stuff we're up yeah, to three yeah. i think Oh, great. I know. Great. We're, yeah. we're moving. So yeah, yeah. for those of you, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, hopefully our heart radio. Yeah, we're in the yeah, process. We, yeah, I, th- I don't know if we mentioned that last episode, but we recently applied to get on there. and We haven't heard back yet. It's kind of a process. It takes, yeah, it takes a yeah. process. We're waiting yeah. to get it back there. You can also find us on our website um, that was provided by our hosting site graciously. Yeah. NecessaryBSPodcast.com. Buzzsprout.com. That's wrong. It's a necessary BS.buzzsprout.com. Oh, well, you don't need the podcast. Oh, and then follow okay. us on Twitter at yeah. necessary BS pod. Again, necessary BS.buzzsprout.com. Follow us on Twitter, necessary BS pod. Reach out to us if also, you're liking what I'm saying. Uh, subscribe, good, like, share. Good good news. Actually, we're on Instagram now. Oh, shoot. So we just have an Instagram. Yeah. What we, what we look like just to see how horrifying and terrifyingly. <laughs> Ugly but here's the thing, though. I know. Well, I will say this, though. I have my slippers on because it's like warm, and so I, I we have Superman. pictures of us. Yeah, and I got I got the Superman slippers, and I'm the Overman. But <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening again. Please share. It's it's without you, we wouldn't have this, and we're gonna keep doing some stuff and keep growing. Deuces. Yeah. Well, hey, real quick before we get out of here, you just gonna affect my I deuces. Know, I- I really, you I hate the deuces, honestly. But <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm going to do it every time now. Now, now, you now you resent me. All so right, sorry. Say I, I, I want to say that please follow us both on Twitter. At, I'm at Modern Overman on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So um, I'm at The Only One blog. And again, it's the same thing. The Only One.cf is my blog website. Go ahead. Picture us. Oh, I'm at Modern Overman. There you are. See, hey, ModernOverman.com. Listen, listen, folk. Thanks for listening. This is. For the, we're the necessary bullshit. This is podcast. We're the podcast. See, I did it too. I did. I said, okay, bye, 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 guys. Bye. Uh, everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you.